Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. After a year of silence, the leaders of the world's two superpowers face to face. I think it's paramount that you and I understand each other clearly, leader to leader. Both U.S. President Joe Biden and China's President Xi Jinping acknowledged the meeting's importance. We know each other for a long time. We haven't always agreed, which was not surprised anyone. But our meetings have always been candid, straightforward, and useful. President Xi called the U.S.-China relationship the most important in the world and said despite challenges, turning their backs on each other is not an option. With conflicts in the Middle East and Ukraine and tensions over Taiwan, which Xi called the most dangerous issue between the two countries, both sides agreed to restore contact between their militaries. Vital miscalculations on either side can, uh, can cause real, real trouble with a, with a, uh, a country like China. The president also addressed the war in Israel, once again defending its actions against Hamas. This as Israel's military continue their operation inside a Gaza hospital. President Biden says Israel will stop the fighting when Hamas no longer poses a threat to the Israeli people. And he defended the claim that Hamas has a command center in the Al-Shifa hospital. Israel Defense Forces showed some of what they say they found inside that hospital. There is a an AK-47. They showed what they called evidence of Hamas's storage of guns. These weapons have absolutely no business being inside a hospital. Some 2,000 patients and doctors were caught in the middle when Israeli troops stormed in. The director general of Gaza's hospital says babies in al-Shifa are in severe danger as conditions get worse. Israel says it sent in incubators and medical supplies. The war is triggering fears of terror attacks here in the U.S. According to FBI Director Christopher Wray, the U.S. is in a heightened threat posture. The biggest chunk uh, of the threats that have been uh, reported into us uh, by a good margin are threats to the Jewish community, synagogues, Jewish prominent officials. We do also have some threats to Muslim Americans that have also been called in. Breaking news from Capitol Hill clashes breaking out with protesters outside the DNC headquarters a day after the massive march for Israel on the National Mall. Capitol Police had to remove some pro-Palestinian protesters demanding a ceasefire. Six Capitol Police officers have been injured amid a chaotic protest happening outside of the DNC headquarters. Demonstrators were there calling for a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. At one point, Capitol Police started pushing people back, saying the protest had taken in a violent turn. It's not clear right now what led up to that point. One protester was arrested for assaulting a police officer. The Animals. six Capitol Police officers injured were treated for injuries ranging from minor cuts to being punched. Several members of Congress were inside the building at the time and had to be evacuated. I think he's one of the best pitchers in the game. He is the definition of an ace. He goes after hitters, excellent control. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is among the best in the history of the game. He's so smart about his craft. He does his job every fifth day as good as anybody in this league. Cole is an animal. He is your ace. He is your stud. Garrett Cole was outstanding. 11 strikeouts and did not walk a devil ray in seven two-thirds. Swing and a miss. 97 miles an hour on his 
first pitch. This should do it. A complete game shutout for Garrett Cole. Brilliant in his last start of the season. Not only is he win the game, but today he won the Cy Young Award. No, Lou. <laughs> there are people tuning in right now, and they just tuned in, right? They missed the open. They missed all the stuff about President Biden and G meeting in San Francisco and Christopher Ray warning us that basically we're all going to die. And whoever else uh, was in that open, and all they hear is this song, and they go, oh, my God, here Sid goes again. <laughs> He's do. playing Tina Turner, simply the best for himself. You know that's what people are thinking right now. Well, they would probably be right. Well, how do I know that? I'll tell you how I know that. So, you know, the ratings, the weekly ratings came out again on uh, Monday, I guess it was. I don't know. So I went on a bit of a rant on Tuesday. You know, I do these rants every now and then. And in the rant, I basically destroyed Len Berman and... Michael Riedel, the guys over at uh, WOR, not because they're not good people. I like them both very much. I wish somebody would put that on record. I like them both very much. And I like Simone, who comes up after. But the truth is, I humiliate them every morning. I do. I triple their ratings. Losers. So... There's a very, very, very popular media site. I told you about this. They did a whole story on me and my career, which comes out next Tuesday. But this Barrett Media, they have somebody listening to this show every day. And without fail, at least once a week, at least once a week, one of their writers, quote-unquote staff writers, writes a story about something that I said. So yesterday, a story comes out, which I didn't even see. Somebody in the radio business sent it to me. And it reads like this. 
Sid Rosenberg, quote, I have basically put W-O-R out of the game. (laughs) Your big face right there. My big face, the whole thing, yeah. So when I say out of the game, not out of business, they still bill an awful lot. I'm going to get to the whole business. It's, It's more complicated than that. But the ratings game, they get devoured. And for you morons out there mentioning Mark Simone, I like Mark a lot. I dine with Mark on a regular basis. He's a liar. He lies about his ratings all the time. He does not get big ratings. He just doesn't. Nobody at WOR gets big ratings. Sean Hannity has never gotten ratings in New York, ever. The only guy that got big, big ratings there was Rush. And he's dead. God rest his soul. Then they had a nice little run when they had Simone and Rush and Hannity in the Mets. It's over. Simone can yell and scream all he wants. Well, this error is here. This error, he's, a, he's a wonderful guy. He's lying. In this particular genre, political news talk in New York, only one guy, one show gets big ratings. That's me. That's it. But, uh, well, uh, you know, I don't know if I ever li- if I ever yelled or lied. Or, or, it's, it's not lying. It's reported the fact. You know, you, you're not looking at the right documentation. He always says stuff like that. You're looking at the wrong numbers. You know, the yeah. wrong numbers. You so know then, so I put, I didn't write this column. I didn't write it. Somebody else did. So I put it on my Instagram, and I compel you guys every morning to follow me at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. I put this story on my Instagram, 95%, oh, Sid, obviously, you know, the best, the show is the best, we love you, we love Lou, blah, 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 love Noam, love Justin. But you get this small percentage of jerk-offs, you know. Some guy named Tierney in New Jersey. Some guy who drives a daily news truck. And they're like, you are so full of yourself. How about some humility? And I'm going to say this for the millionth time. I want to say for the last time, but it won't be. I know that. This is not the business for humility, idiots. There's not been one huge star in this business, not one, from Stern to Imus to Rush to Michael Jordan to Muhammad Ali. Mark Levin hasn't stopped people from calling him the great one, has he? Wayne Gretzky didn't stop people from calling him the great one. There's not been one major star in this business that's been humble. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's right, I said it. Humble people are insecure people, not secure. Well, if you're so great, why do you got to tell us? Because I am. So if it makes you uncomfortable because you're mediocre, then don't listen. But this whole age-old thing about being humble, bullshizzle, humble, not an entertainment. Am I wrong, Norm? Can you name one all-time great that was humble? No. Thank you. One, give me one. I'm I'm trying to think of one, but yeah. I really can't come up. It's with It's the one. dumbest thing I've ever heard. Muhammad Ali was kind of humble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gandhi, uh, he was so humble. Yeah. All right, yeah. Gandhi. <laughs> There's not one, folks. There's not one. Not one. So stop with that, because all I'm going to do, and I did it last night, is block you, because you're stupid. 
Don't look for humility on, 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 in entertainment or sports. It doesn't, the great ones are not humble. That's a good answer. Now, if you don't think I'm great, that's a whole other story. Then you think I'm a gas man, a loud mouth. That's fine. But don't tell me the great ones are humble. That I've never met one. Not one. Never worked with one. Never saw one. So, um, I did say what I said. I have basically put WR out of the game. And I stand by it. But here's the best part. Noam Layton used to work at WOR. So did Lou Rufino. And you guys, I know you're sitting there laughing. Because at one point I do take a shot (laughs) at the program director, who I happen to like very much. I like Tom Cuddy. Years ago, I needed Met tickets. Tom Cuddy got me Met tickets in 15 minutes. But it's an old story. Way before Chad Lopez hired me, way before I knew who the hell John and Margot Katsimatidis were, I went to Cuddy, and I wanted to leave Florida, get back to New York. They were looking for a morning show. They just got the Mets. And I said to Cuddy, I said, Tom, I'm a WFAN guy. I'm a big Met guy. I can do your morning show and the pregame show for the Mets. This is a perfect marriage. By the way. At the risk of outing him. Not even my idea. I was down in Miami. Pete Morgan told me about it. Pete Morgan said, call Cuddy. You can do the morning show, like you're doing in Florida right now, and do the match. And Cuddy showed no interest. I mean, none. And now I'm kicking his morning show in the teeth. So I made that point. So what? So what? What's the big deal, Noam? Was there anything inaccurate in that piece that Barrett put out yesterday. No, I'm just anything trying... I need to apologize for. I don't think so. Um, I was thinking even Mother Teresa wasn't that humble, you know. She wasn't. No, she, I mean she washed the feet of poor people in India, but uh, you know she liked the fame that surrounded her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm still going through a list. <laughs> uh, you're not gonna listen. The truth is, you're not gonna find one. How about Wayne Gretzky? Maybe it was Wayne Gretzky. His nickname is the Great One. If you're humble, you go, please don't call me that. Have you ever heard Wayne Gretzky say, don't call me that? <laughs> what, is Paul what is he going to do? Yeah, he thing? would say, yeah, do me a favor, don't call me that. The truth is, I'm not that great. I've got Mark Messier. I've got Yari Curry. I've got Glenn Anderson. I've got all these guys. I've got Paul Coffey. Paul Coffey. Right. He didn't do that. He wore the great one on his chest like <laughs> Superman. Yeah, he didn't put not the great one on his no, jersey. Right. No, right. He okay. didn't do that, did oh, he? Good point. That's yeah. it. No yeah. humble. Wayne, what's up with you? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the song was not for me, folks. The song was for Yankee ace Garrett Cole. Garrett became the sixth, I believe this is true, the sixth New York Yankee to win the Cy Young Award. Noam Layton, how many of the prior Five, can you name? Uh, there is uh, Guidry. 1978, Louisiana Lightning, Ron Guidry. Exactly right. Uh, uh, who else is that? That might be the only guy. All right. Uh, <laughs> Lewis, want to take a shot at this? Mm, they did. Were they doing it for Whitey Ford? When No, there's no Whitey Ford there. No, it is. Uh, believe Ford. it or not, the Cy Young started in 1956. Hmm. And the first guy to win it, I believe... Won the MVP, the Cy Young, and the Rookie of the Year in the same year. And that was uh, Don Newcomb from the Brooklyn Dodgers. He won them all in 1956. So you're right, Lou. Five years later, 1961, Whitey Ford of the Yanks. There's still three more. Um, 
catfish. No. no. Uh, Not a bad guess. Clemens? He won it in Oakland. Roger Clemens. Clemens. Clemens, 2001. In fact, before Garrett Cole won it yesterday, Roger Clemens was the last Yankee starter to get it 22 years ago. Okay, so there's two more. Is there before Mm. him then? 1977, the year before Ron Guidry, he was a reliever. Oh, uh, Sparky. Uh, Very good. Sparky Lyle, who eventually got replaced (laughs) by Goose Gossage as a closer. And you got one more. This one is tough. 1958, Bob Turley. So those are your six uh, Yankee Song Award winners. So congratulations to a Garrett Cole. I'm a Met fan. Don't care all that much. But I know there's a lot of Yankee fans listening right now. So congratulations to Garrett Cole. You know, talking about sports, I meant to play this yesterday. But I didn't because I'm so busy every day, you know. Hopefully he has it here, uh, Justin. I think he does. One of the great cuts that Justin has gotten for us in a long time, has uh, Dana White talking about voting. Now, look, Bernard, God rest his soul, he loved UFC, MMA. I don't. I've called those fights. I've made a lot of money, believe it or not, emceeing those fights. Not my style. I like old-school boxing more. I'm not saying UFC is not more exciting, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to argue all that. Clearly, there's a huge audience for UFC. I'm not one of them. I'm an old boxing guy. But I love Dana White. I love what Dana, outside the fact that he beat up his wife last summer, that wasn't great, Dana. But outside of that, I like his, like the way he runs his business. I certainly like the fact that he loves Donald Trump. Trump goes to all of his fights. And I like the way he talks. So Dana was on the Theo Von podcast. Yes, the Theo Von podcast, and he talked about a sponsor, a sponsor who actually canceled because Dana is friends with President Trump, which I have no patience for. This is the great Dana White Lewis, cut number 17. I posted a video for Trump, right, Mm -hmm. on my personal social media, and one of our big sponsors called and said, take that down. You know what I said? Go f*** yourself. Yeah. You vote for whoever you want to vote for, and I'll vote for whoever I want to vote for. That's how this works. I don't even care who you're voting for. It's none of my business. F*** you. Yeah. Don't ever call me and tell me who to vote for. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How great is Dana White? Come on. Come on. All right, Noam, tell me about this uh, big meeting yesterday, Joe Biden and uh, Ping, first time in a year since last year's G20 summit. And then, of course, once Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan, they no longer shared any military information. I think all of that, all of that has been fixed yeah. as of yesterday. Tell me about the whole meeting. Yeah, military-to-military talks are back restored, that restored co- cooperation. I, mean, I will say uh, there's also a lot of talk about reducing the amount of fentanyl shipped directly from China, so they talked about that as well. They talked about the war in the Middle East, the war in Russia. But what was most interesting maybe about this is normally when you do these kind of high-level meetings, you have a dual press conference afterwards. They didn't do that. They had separate ones. The president had one alone. President Xi had one alone. Interesting. So what is your take on that? Why do you think that was the case? Uh, you know, just uh, usually you have the press corps together and they uh, you know ask a bunch of questions and you get both leaders there. We didn't right. get that today. We didn't get that. Uh, give me an update, too, on what Christopher Ray, the FBI director, told us yesterday. A couple of weeks ago, he said, listen, I'm going to be honest. 
This is brutal. He actually said there have been, quote, gaps in our intelligence. We don't know how many people are here and who they are, and this is a time to be concerned. You'll never hear an FBI director tell you that. Christopher Ray told us that about a month ago. He was back at it again yesterday. Did it sound pretty much the same? Yeah. He says the threat level of a terror attack is at a whole other level due to this <laughs> conflict in the Middle East. And, and he means here, for yeah. folks that aren't listening. Well, the, no, I, well, some here, but okay. he's saying the majority of what they're worried about is, number one, is Americans being attacked overseas. And then, of course, at home, he says it's more worries about lone wolf attacks here by people who are inspired by terrorists overseas. And those are the hardest ones to find out because these are people usually working alone. Sure. And they're just inspired by these nutcases and then carry out some sort of attack in the U.S. You know, talking about terrorists overseas, of course, the big issue in this country, the biggest one, and it speaks to all these problems. The illegals, terrorists is the open border. We know this already. And that all falls on Biden. All you folks that are loving Joe Biden these days because he's pro-Israel, you couldn't sound dumber. I actually had to convince Bruce Blakeman yesterday, which I did, that Biden is not a friend. He's the enemy. He's in bed with Iran. He has an open border. That's not a friend. That's not a guy who's worried about lives. He's just not. And he's got a guy working for him, Mayorkas, who should not only be impeached, he should be put in prison. So my guy in the House out of Long Island, Anthony D'Esposito, he had the chance once again to grill Mayorkas on the Hill yesterday. If you missed it, Sounded something like this. Mayorkas not answering any of the questions. Lou, this is Mayorkas, cut number nine. If Secretary Johnson said a 1,000 immigrants a day when he was in the position that you sent, if that was a bad day and that 4,000 a day was a crisis, what is a bad day for you, Secretary Mayorkas? Because we see now that the numbers have exploded. They're no longer a 1,000 a day. They're not even 4,000 a day when this article was written. They're over 11,000 a day. And so in the last 20 seconds, what number to you represents a bad day when we see the number of apprehensions um, increase dramatically? So I'll give you the remainder of my time to answer the question, and I'll yield back. Vice Chairman uh, Guest, uh, we do not minimize the significance of the challenge at the southwest border, uh, and we are intensely focused on it. Is there a number? Would you like to give a number? I asked for a number. That was my question. What, what number to you represents a bad day? And are you refusing to answer the question? Vice Chairman uh, Guest, uh, as I said, we do not minimize the significance <clears throat> of the challenge at the southwest border. That, that wasn't my question, Mr. Mayorkas. My, I, I ask a simple question. Give me a number. And you're filibustering, and you're refusing to answer the question. What is that number? Come on, do we speak? I answered your question. No, you haven't, Mr. Mayorkas. You've not answered the question. He did not answer the question. And uh, one more story that's drawing international criticism, which is nauseating, this Al-Sheba hospital, which is the biggest hospital in Gaza. To be clear, there are innocents in there, women and children. But to be very clear, Hamas, these animals, they put their headquarters in hospitals like that, including that hospital, and schools and any place that they think Israel won't attack because Israel doesn't kill women and children. Well, the bad news for Hamas is, is that while Israel still tries their best not to do that, 
They are dead set on wiping out Hamas, and innocents will die. And instead of the world understanding that, for example, the WHO, who? Yeah, the WHO. Did any agency in the world lose more credibility during COVID than the WHO? They didn't get one goddamn thing right. Not one, not one. The WHO is a bunch of clowns. And they're out there this morning criticizing Israel for going into the hospital when, in fact, the Hamas headquarters are downstairs. Is that not true, Noam Layden? Well, there's proof of it now. Video, pictures, all kinds of things. So what is Israel supposed to do? You know, look, they went in so gingerly, by the way, because they were worried about their own forces being attacked. But, of course, what's not reported is they brought baby incubators in. They brought a team of doctors that speak Arabic to help with those patients. There were 30 babies that needed help. They're now trying to figure out how to do that, maybe bring them back to Israel. And this is all as they're fighting a war there. So then what's the criticism about well, because none of that gets reported, of course. The criticism yeah. is that somehow they're attacking a hospital. But not that's true. not the case at all. Not true, right? No. All right, thank you for that. That's an excellent start for you today, Noam. Uh, thank you, know you very much. But can I tell you this quick story? Or... I'd rather it end. <laughs> but you're going to do it anyway, aren't you? No, that's all right. Okay, Go ahead. No, I want you to no, 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 you no, don't you deserve you? to hear this. I want, no, I want <laughs> you to let him make a wait. So someone says to me a video of those uh, people ho- taking down hostage posters on the Upper West Side, this couple. Have you seen this disgusting couple? And the guy is shooting footage of this couple taking it down, and they start yelling at him and saying that Israelis, that Jews are rapists, and these hostage posters deserve to be taken down. And I got so angry in that moment that I went to find them online to threaten that I wanted to go and kill them because <laughs> i was, in the, I is was that true i did so thank god the good thing is i did not find them on oh. social media because i wanted to tell them that hey if that had happened in front of me right would have freaking decked you look at you but then my wife was like oh yeah that would have been good you i don't know those the same Facebook. thing yeah. she's like good thing you didn't find them yeah <laughs> no i wish you would have but i was them. in that moment i was so angry because it was just so so disgusting and here it's it's on the upper west side that's happening what do you mean upper, that's the worst place yeah, in the is. world <laughs> i'd almost rather the israelis bomb that than gaza <laughs> As long as they think of Zabar's alone, we're okay. Yeah. Well, I do like Zabar's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, big show coming up so today. Zabar's was... I ran intact. out of the Upper West Side. Are you nuts? Spent four years there. It was the longest four years of my life. They still have a photo of me up in the lobby in my building for not wearing a mask during COVID. And I'm gone for two years. All right, big guest is coming your way. Curtis Sliwa, Jennifer Harrison, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Peter King... Dove Heikend, live from Israel, the brother of Ari Hillel Fung. And finally, of course, it's a Thursday, the best of all, Bill O'Reilly. Monster show about to come your way. Sitting friends in the morning exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 
77 WABC. Great song, Chicago. We're giving away tickets this week for Chicago and Earth, Wind, and Fire coming up this summer. Love this song. According to Fox News, Hamas has agreed to a tentative deal to free dozens of hostages, maybe up to 70, which is about one quarter of the number. But, and the very next sentence says, but the deal may have been rejected. Well, what does that mean? Here it is. RPT, Hamas, agrees to deal to free some hostages, but then they're not showing the next line. So i got to go to Noam Layden. According to Fox News, they've agreed to do it, but then it says, but the deal may have been rejected. So which one is it? I think it's probably been rejected by Israel. I mean, they've they've said they don't want to pull up on the gas in this war against Gaza. They want to wipe out Hamas. And so this deal would mean a ceasefire, essentially, for four days. No fighting. No way. Can't do it. No way. No ceasefire. You hear me? No ceasefire. Kill them. I'm going to say it again. No ceasefire. Let me tell you something, okay? You son of a bitch, Noam. Oh, it's not your fault. I'm sorry. I'm going to you for it. I'm going to apologize. But we amassed 300,000 people. Listen to that number, folks. 300,000 people in Washington, D.C. two days ago. There was not one arrest. There was not one fight. 300,000. These animals, and that's all they are, these pro-Palestinian animals, whether they're George Soros funded or just a bunch of asshole kids looking to cause trouble, they can't get 5,000 together without a ton of arrests. Happened again yesterday. Washington, D.C., the day after, we had 300,000 singing and hugging and kissing these animals. They caused a whole ruckus outside the DNC, charged the Capitol Police officers, injured, listen to me now, injured six Capitol Police officers, arrests all over the place. You see the difference? We don't kill babies. People do die. It's called casualties of war. We don't go into people's neighborhoods on a holiday morning at 6 a.m. and grab their daughters and rape them and parade them around the streets while their vaginas are bleeding. If it sounds too graphic, tough. That's what happened. We put together 300,000 people, and all we did was sing and hug. These animals arrest every time they get together, every time, masks on their face because they're cowards. Is there anything incorrect, Noam, about what I just said? I don't think so. 
Well, you left it open for a little bit there. Well, I don't well, think yeah. so. I... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We'll put you out of the game, though. Yeah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> God. I'm not sure why I said that. I... <laughs> you know, yesterday, on a lighter note, because Thanksgiving is coming up a week from today. I can't believe this. But a week from today is Thanksgiving. And I'm on record for a lot of years in New York, Florida, 73 other markets, and back here in New York telling you folks, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Even after my dad died, it still is. Not because a ton of us get together. Although this year, it will be a ton of us. I'm going to see my niece Tamara and my nephew Lorne up in Rockland County. And the whole family is coming. It's going to be great. It's just the symbolism. So yesterday, uh, John and Margo, who I love, they do this turkey drive every year. They don't have to do this. They don't. They do it because they're good people. Genuinely good people. They care about the homeless, the hungry. Just like Curtis Sliwa, I took a 12-minute train ride with Curtis. The two of us went out together to get to this drive St. John's Church from these offices yesterday. He's going to tell you about it. So much happened in 12 minutes, it's good for a one-hour radio segment. But he cares, too. He feeds the homeless without gloves, sticks his fingers in their mouths. Gross? Absolutely. Dumb? Probably. But he does it. John and Margot care. So every year outside this church, right by Madison Square Garden, we hand out turkeys. And a bunch of folks show up. For example, yesterday, that lady who was on the show with me, Beth Finkel from AARP, she was there, had a nice turnout from the FDNY. Those guys are all great. Joe Briso, the whole crew, they were there. Bunch of our talent was there yesterday. Greg Kelly, Dominic Carter, and um, Curtis. Then Chad Lopez, as always, did a great job emceeing. Joe Parisi, Mr. Gristidis, D'Agostino, he was there. And it was really lovely. I have to tell you, I, I really enjoyed it. I really did. We have this really cute WABC, this huge WABC trolley. And all the events, we park the trolley outside, and it's cool. They got the radio playing inside, and we actually went inside the truck. Me, John, Margo, uh, Jimmy and Corbaya from sales, a, a host of others. And we started handing the turkeys out of the windows to the other folks working with us to hand out to the needy. It was just great. I loved it. I really did. So every year we do it. And it's a great day for WABC, and if you are one of the lucky ones and you could afford to buy a turkey for next Thursday, I urge you, I'm telling you, you're going to save a ton of money. Buy your turkey at Gristidi's or D'Agostino. They've also got all the helpings. Joe Parisi's told you that on this show. Arm yourself for a great Thanksgiving dinner. No one told me to say this. I promise you, there's no piece of paper in front of me. Make sure you, nobody told me to say this. Make sure you buy all your Thanksgiving needs at Christidis and or D'Agostino. And you know what else is crazy? The day after Thanksgiving, I'll be off, of course. Next Friday, November the 24th, my little boy Gabriel turns 15. Gaby will be 15 
a week from Friday. Where's it gone? By now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from the Greg Kelly Show. Here, Greg talks about FBI Director Christopher Ray. Clay Higgins, Republican of Louisiana, he's the first one, and he did it about a year and a half ago. He informed me, he asked Director Ray, and he did it again today, were there agents and or FBI informants inside the Capitol on January 6th before the crowd arrived, waiting for them to arrive? They were pre-deployed. Imagine that, FBI assets inside the Capitol, hours before anything happened. And they're dressed in MAGA hats and MAGA shirts, right, waiting because they know that something's going to go on. Now, why would they infiltrate the crowd like that? How about trying to stop the violence? How about just calling the police, hey, we need more guys? Because they wanted them to go into the Capitol, I have no doubt. They wanted this to happen. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com, find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built of boilers on the hardwood. The Knicks won on the road against the Atlanta Hawks by a score of 116-114 to 114 tonight in Miami. The Nets are back on the court as they get set to face the Heat. Tip-off there is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. on the ice in Vancouver. The Islanders fell in overtime to the Canucks last night, found a score of 4-3. to three. Uh, they'll be back at it tonight to try and get off the schneid. I think they're on a five-game losing streak right now. With a 10 p.m. puck drop in Seattle against the Kraken, the Devils will be in action as well tonight in Pittsburgh, taking on the Penguins in what will be a 7 p.m. puck drop. Award news continues to trickle in out of the world of baseball. Yesterday, our very own New York Yankees ace Garrett Cole finally took home a Cy Young Award. Surprisingly, given his consistent dominance of the league over the course of his career, this is the first Cy Young Award for Cole, which he did win unanimously. San Diego Padre Blake Snell took home the honors for the National League. This evening at 6 p.m., the winners of the 2023 MVP Award will be announced on MLB Network. Shohei Otani is the frontrunner in the American League, ahead of two Texas Rangers finalists in Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. In the National League, it's down to Ronald Acuna Jr., along with Dodgers, Mookie Betts, and Freddie Freeman. And finally, Week 11 of the NFL season gets underway tonight with the 5-4 and four Cincinnati Bengals in Baltimore to meet the 7-3 and three Ravens on Thursday Night Football. Kickoff is scheduled for 8.15 p.m., and the Ravens head in as three-and-a-half-point favorites. That's sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Humanity doesn't breeze by something like that. Yes, but. You don't, yes, but the mass murder of innocent children that, that is targeted. Yes, some children in Palestine are dying right now as Israel fights back for its right to exist. Israel does, as far as I can tell, Everything any nation on earth could do to prevent that from happening as Hamas does everything within its power to make sure the children get hurt and then to put it on TV, Charles. Like, that's the difference here as Rashida Tlaib cries these tears outside over what's happening to Gaza. Not one word for the hurting or murdered Israelis.
Yesterday, after the turkey drive was done, my beautiful wife, Danielle, very proud of Danielle, she met me in the city yesterday, and we went over to a place called the Actors Temple. It's a wild place. This place is on 47th Street between 8th and Broadway, and it's a shul, an active shul. They've got Shabbat services on Friday and Saturday. They've got the whole deal. But it also serves as a playhouse. So, for example, Mary Lou Henner, the former taxi star, has a play there right now. And Danielle and I went to see a play called Ode to the Wasp Woman. We caught the 2 p.m. matinee. And the big star in this play is a lady named Sean Young. You all remember Sean Young movies like... No Way Out with Gene Hackman, The Boost, a lot of drugs in that one, with James Woods. She was in um, Ace Ventura with Jim Carrey. I know I'm missing a whole bunch of others. She's a legitimate big star. But they do something in the playbill. They ask her 10 questions about her favorite person to work with. She said Jim Carrey, Gene Hackman, and Michael Caine. She enjoyed working with Harrison Ford in Blade Runner. She was also in Wall Street with Michael Douglas and a young Charlie Sheen. So anyway, it's a very interesting play. play was written by a guy named Ryder McDowell. And what it does is it chronicles four famous TV actors in the 60s, maybe even the 50s, All four of these people have something in common. Their lives completely fell apart after enjoying stardom, and they all died horrible deaths. Not uplifting, but brilliant. The acting, amazing. I was riveted. So was Danielle. So the four people that they chronicle, Sean Young plays a lady by the name of Susan Cabot. She was a very famous actress. She had a special needs son by the name of Timothy, who was born a midget. They gave him shots and shots, ended up growing as high as five foot four. But he hated the shots. He hated his life, told his mother, I hate you. And then, I don't want to give too much away, but he kills her. There's a lot of love and tears and anger, and he kills her. Then you've got a young lady named Peyton Georgiana. She plays an actress named Barbara Payton. Barbara did movies with people like Gregory Peck, big stars. 
She was a beautiful lady. And it all fell apart. She drank too much. She ended up being a prostitute, having almost all of her teeth knocked out. And she died in her parents' home on the couch from VD. But the scene starts with her coming home from school and her drunk father asking her to dance. Because he raped her. So now you know why Barbara Payton fell apart. Then you had a guy named Josh Alsher, also tremendous. And he played from the Little Rascals, Alfalfa, maybe the biggest star, or with Jackie Cooper. And Alfalfa had a miserable life. After his Little Rascals success, couldn't get jobs, had no money, and ended up being murdered by somebody over $50, which he wanted for finding that person's dog. And finally, a guy by the name of Douglas Everett Davis played George Reeves. George Reeves was Superman on TV. And boy, was he miserable. Gorgeous guy, big-time superhero, had it all. Couldn't find love, couldn't find it. Ended up with some bimbo. She made him so depressed and so upset, he couldn't find any work after Superman that he blew his own brains out. I'm telling you, folks, it is a great play. Again, not uplifting, but great. (laughs) But as I was talking about it, you kept shaking your head. Yeah, I've heard of a lot of these instances. Yes. Uh, George Reeves, very famous. See, here's uh, the thing. When you go see a play, the more downlifting it is requires better acting. It's easy to smile and dance and be happy. I've seen them all, Barnum, The Wiz, you name it. But you give a relatively miserable premise two hours. These people better be able to act. And every one of them, from Sean Young, who you all know, to Doug Everett Davis, to Peyton Georgiana, Josh Alsher, Anna Telfer, John Hartman, David Wenzel, and Rita Louise. Now, Rita Louise is an actress. So I go downstairs to pee. After the show. And I see her come out and I go, hey, you were great in that just now. She goes, oh, my God, I love you. I swear to God. Norm, you're going to love this, too. I go, you love me? What, what, what are you talking about? I bought your book. I said, oh, you were the one. <laughs> she goes, I bought your book. I listen every day. I love you. Here's a Broadway actress. And I was absolutely floored. Rita Louise, thank you for that. So, folks, I recommend you go see it. It is, once again, Ode to the Wasp Woman. It runs through January at the Actors Temple Theater on 47th Street between Broadway and 8th. All right, big show to come your way. Curtis Sliwa, Jennifer Harrison, Judge Napolitano, Peter King, Dove Hikind, Israeli legend Hillel Fund, Fold, I should say, and, of course, the man... The ratings grab of the week, the great Bill O'Reilly. A very exciting three hours about to come your way. Stick with me, folks. Sid Rosenberg on a Thursday.
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Thursday morning. So yesterday, as I mentioned uh, last hour, we had this annual beautiful turkey drive that John and Margot and Station puts on every year. Chad does a great job, too. It's a wonderful day, really. And I was leaving the studio about to hop in a cab, and Curtis happened to be leaving at the same time. He said, I'm taking the subway. He said, oh, great. I'd love to go with you. So we're going to get to the subway ride that Curtis and I took together. Curtis, of course, big ratings weekday afternoons, does a great job on the weekends, and is on this show five days a week. But I started the show about an hour ago talking about an article that Barrett News Media, Barrett News Media happens to be the industry standard. Jason Barrett does the best job in the business of chronicling radio every single day, every day. And this column comes out yesterday, and it reads, Sid Rosenberg, quote, I have basically put WOR out of the game. Not out of business. They still bill. I get it. But out of the ratings game, because I destroyed their morning show so badly, literally tripled the ratings last week, tripled, that they can't recover all day, including Mark Simone, who I love Mark Simone. I go out to eat with Mark Simone every month. He's a legitimate friend, but he lies about his ratings all the time. I don't. He can't recover either. Him and Kilmeade are in a a head-to-head battle. So it's over basically by 10 o'clock because what I do to Berman and Weedle is basically should be illegal. So I started uh, naming some of the folks that called themselves great because a very, very minute percentage of you guys attacked me on the Internet for being big-headed, and uh, show some humility. Shut up. This is not the business for that. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a priest. I'm an entertainer. And when you're great, there's nothing wrong with saying it. And I pointed out Ali, 
Jordan, Mark Levin gladly accepted the great one. Wayne Gretzky gladly accepted the great one. But according to Curtis, I missed one, a glaring oh, one. Oh, so glaring. So glaring. So glaring. I just don't know what it is. I look, have no idea. Look, you mentioned Imish, you mentioned Stern, you mentioned a whole bunch of people. And you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, can you name one all-time great that was humble? All-time great. I'm not, I don't mean sidekicks. No. Contributors. The king of talk radio, Bob Grant. He was not humble. Of course He not. was not hard. They called him the king of talk radio. Right. But you, one glaring. One glaring. You didn't mention Bill O'Reilly. Oh, Bill, yeah. My God, sometimes <laughs> you need a crane to get his ego in and out of a room. And he had the greatest 10-minute rant the other day that I've ever heard. I've been listening to talk radio since I was like 12, 13. You, you didn't mention it to your friends back then, talk radio. That was for old people, you know, who were eating their maple. But I would listen. Oh, I love talk radio. But Bill O'Reilly had kicked it for 10 minutes on Cuomo. And this sort of pimps off Vanity Fair had a huge article. The Cuomo is like a hitman waiting for Eric Adams, you know, to bleed out, you know, saying only the nice things, but wanting to run for mayor because, you know, he wants his comeback. You know, like LL Cool J yeah. says, this ain't a comeback. <laughs> Don't he call wa- it a comeback. He wants to run for mayor. Oh, please. Oh, God's above. I want to take this guy on. I want to kill him. I want, I want to take him down for the count. But please, how could you not have mentioned Bill O'Reilly? It's a fair, fair miss. And he's earned You're it. right. He's earned it. He's on today at 840. And mention he is, it. Mention it to him. And another guy that thinks he's great, but he is great. So, so what? See, I don't have an issue with people who are great at what they do saying it. My issue is there's too many people who are mediocre at what they do who claim they're great. But if you're great... Tell everybody. Who cares? And then if you could back it up like I can with legitimate statistics, then shut up. You're right about O'Reilly. There was, oh, that article I read because you sent it to me. Yes. And it bothered me. You know, they talked about you know, Cuomo, obviously. They talked about Jamani Williams. They even mentioned Letitia James. They mentioned this uh, crooked controller, this idiot Brad Lander. Yep. A bunch of folks that may run for mayor. At no point, I know they're talking about Democrats, primaries, yeah, well, they, they don't even consider They don't even mention right. you. That's okay. No, it's not okay. No, and you know why? No, it, it bothers me. I want them, this is like roller derby for them. You know, they're, they're like elbowing each other out. Cuomo in this article basically says, hey, Adams, if you go down for the count, I'll give you the best eulogy you ever had. We'll give you a great burial. And then I'm running to be mayor. I, I tell you so much. I want to take this guy down. I want to take down Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo the second, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo the first, Chris, right, Fredo Cuomo, and Joe Pacoco, their leg breaker. Hey, Andrew, I know you're listening now. Andrew, I send him a two provinos fachim. Let's get it on. Wouldn't that be the greatest mayoral run? The guy could not run. The guy could not hide from me because I would be casting aspersions from him from the beginning of the campaign to the end of the campaign. And I'd be out there at his compound in Southampton, the Corleone compound, where they hit the mattresses and they're stirring the marinara sauce. <laughs> you know, it. everybody would love that. Everybody would love that, yes. And listen, I know when you say everybody would love that for two reasons. I remember very vividly when I came back to New York in yes. 2016. Yes. Maybe it was my fifth or sixth day on the job. You walked into my office at the old Madison Square Garden, 
and you said, uh, hey, Sid, you're a tough guy. You look all, you know, ready to go. Why don't you hit the trains with us tonight? And yep. Danielle and the kids were down in Florida, so I had my nights open. And I joined you guys. You and about ten other guardian angels. We met at Penn Station. You took me down to the most violent neighborhoods in all of Brooklyn. And it was one of the most rewarding and educational nights in my life. But I remember it because as soon as we got to Penn Station, the amount of people, and specifically, listen carefully, specifically African-American folks that went over to hug you, kiss you, and thank you, I'll never forget it. And yesterday, I decided to take the train with you again. This was a much shorter ride. In fact, only about 12 minutes to go to the church to hand out turkeys. And I saw the same thing, amongst other things. Yeah, well, you see, early on in the process of starting the Guardian Angels, 1979, look, I'm a white boy, right? I'm in a sea of black and Hispanics, right? The Bronx. And I'd have to get in their face when they wolf me down and say, hey, don't effing don't bark if you can't effing bite. Straight up, they understand that in the hood. You know, mano, mano, man to man. They know you're not going to just retreat and surrender and fold like a cheap camera. They respect that, but they also respect that you didn't take advantage of your situation. You don't kick people when they're down. You hold them down. You wait for the police to arrive. So they say, yeah, the guardian angels are fair and square. And, hey, this guy's Sliwa. Man, he'll rock your world. He'll hit you so hard your mother will feel the vibrations. Just don't set him off because he has some anger management issues. <laughs> but you saw me down there with you. We came across a homeless African-American in that tunnel between Grand Central and Times Square. Make you cry. He's looking at the huge Nick posters. You know this guy was in the was, It was actually the uh, the posters for the NBA tournament. There was TNT. Yes. And they had uh, all the famous basketball players. And you just asked him, he said, are you a basketball fan? And uh, lucid as can be, he said, yeah, I'm a Knicks fan. He didn't look like he was going to be lucid. But he was. No, no, he was obviously living in the subways. He was uh, soiled. You know, his, his clothing was in disrepair. And I just showed him some empathy and sympathy because upstairs is the Roosevelt Hotel. And this guy is sleeping in the subways. He said I was from bed Yeah, he did. Eric Adams has his building in bed right there on Lafayette Avenue. I'm seeing it myself. I got some guy named Julio upstairs from Venezuela. Uh, I got other guys, uh, you know, from North Africa, potential terrorists because they still have active Al-Qaeda and ISIS cells in Mauritania and Mali and Chad and Sudan and Senegal, places Americans can't even find on the map. And and the FBI director was warning us about. And this guy can't stay in the Roosevelt Hotel. If he went to the Roosevelt Hotel, I have nowhere to stay. Please, can I stay in just one night? Sorry, you're an American. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. He was one of uh, about three or four homeless guys that you spoke to uh, on our route. And it takes me back to that wonderful video you did not that long ago when there was a lady laying on a bench, Central Park, 110th Street, no shoes on, also soiled. And you were making the point back then that while these illegals are being treated to five-star hotels, the American homeless are treated like a bag of feces. And you're right. And all we get from Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan is, oh, no safety guards in the school's parents. You take on the oozy-toting, dope-sucking, psychopathic killing machines who go to school. And, oh, yeah, no more cops. We're not hiring any more cops. He has forsaken our city. Our city's in a hot mess now. 
and it's just going to get worse and worse. And then, remember, we passed by his one contribution to public safety, Robbie Robot there <laughs> in Times Square. I've never seen this. I remember doing the story on Newsmax, believe it or not. It was so long ago that we were spending all this money on robots when uh, the cops, hey, human beings, cops, are actually really good at what they do. And the excuse was, well, they can always use more help, and I love technology. Here's the problem, to Curtis's point. It would be one thing if the robot was down on the platform trying to help. What they do is they put the robot robot as if it's like some type of um, toy, and they have two cops, two big, burly, strong-looking cops guarding the robot. Not downstairs making sure Curtis and Sid get to their destination safe. Two cops guarding the robot. That is shameful, Curtis. Absolutely. And they're afraid that Robbie Robot will be uh, graffitied, vandalized, or pushed into the tracks of an oncoming train by an emotionally disturbed Shouldn't person. Should be more afraid that you or I will be pushed onto the tracks of a robot? Of course. And by the way, before we even started our venture... Down into the slime and grime, the armpit and the cesspool of crime, the subway system now. We're going down the steps. They had opened up a brand-new office before we had to swipe our cards. No, we did not jump over the turnstile or under the turnstile. <laughs> no, we didn't. And I looked. A brand-new office opened up. Remember, I said to the two cops there, the hell is this? I never saw this before. See, I never take that entrance. I take the entrance on 51st and Lex. This was on 50th. Right by the Starbucks. Oh, I always take that because there's always problems here. But they opened up a brand new office right before the turnstiles, and they were processing all the illegal aliens and giving them ID. And you looked up at the line and you said, oh, my God, these are all black guys. And I said, Sid, these are the guys I'm warning you about from Mauritania, Mali, Sudan, Chad, Senegal, who come from countries with active cells of ISIS and al-Qaeda. I said, these are the guys who are going to strike a third time. And now you saw it for yourself. I did. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And the best part is Curtis breaks out the cell phone, and there were two cops standing there, too, like the two cops guarding the robot. They were very nice guys. Uh, and they knew what was going on. And Curtis does a video, and you can see all the way up the stairs how many of these illegals were online looking to get their ID. And the office was packed, and these two cops are standing there knowing full well, A, what's going on in there ain't right, and B, it's a waste of time. And the video you put together was great. Where can people see oh, that? Oh, we're gonna, it's posted up. You look at my Facebook, my Instagram, uh, uh, my Twitter account, my TikTok. You know, please, uh, President G, what's on first? I don't know who's on second. Belly slide into third. <laughs> Make a deal with Joe Biden that they won't take down TikTok. I got 150,000 TikTok followers. They're all young. They're all kids. Yeah, we need that. This is the only way they find out about what I'm doing out there with the Guardian Angels. Because here's Sid. He's sending out a picture where he's all buffed. You know, he's like Gigantor. And I'm like an old man there waiting for the blue plate special. I didn't make the that broiled, picture. The broiled trout. You look like an old Jerry Garcia. Oh, my God. I'll tell you who sent me that picture. I hated the Grateful Dead, too. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, I don't know who this guy is. His name is John Grandson. But I'll tell you, you'll know who this guy is. This guy, John Grandson, was the guy that months and months ago would send me and Lou poems every day about the show, which you hated when we read oh the poems. Oh, my God, well, yeah. He, he's the guy that made that picture. You can find it right oh, now. He, he, 
Uh, you versus Tony Danza. They have a picture of Tony Danza in the post where he's buffed. You know, you he's guys. He's not buffed. Yeah, yeah, but, still, but still, he's 72, right? He looks good for 72, but he's got no muscle. Why, he's don't, just not why don't you and him get on a stage and do like Schwarzenegger, you know, the Miss Universe, uh, the flex off, huh? Well, that would be good, a flex off between you and Tony Danza. We are going to be together on stage what? on a dais later on tonight. Uh-oh. At See, Staten Island? Yes. Yeah, he's a good friend of Teddy Atlas. Like yeah, but I he's am. a boxer. He is a boxer. Sid, come on now. <laughs> if he takes umbrage to what you've been saying, you know Teddy Atlas. Yeah, he's going to say, "Okay, let's get it on right here, guys. I, clear out. Let's let's, let's make go. a little space in the I, middle. I let's care. go. Bare knuckles. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go. Guy's a good boxer, Tony Dan. He, he came was out a good East boxer. He was 50 years ago. What are you talking about? Look, man, look good in that picture, Sid. He, he looked. No, he didn't. He looked like he's not fat. But the uh, the page six headline, look how ripped, and there's no muscle there. He's just not fat. Sid, Sid, why don't you get it on with him tonight? Why no, don't no, you go up to him? I'm, I'm going to a hey, charity tough guy. dinner. Hey, tough. You, you kicked out a dog in the Upper West Side. You kicked a dog, right? My wife will love you. She will lionize you with the animal welfare. You will be the hero to all dog lovers. Tony Danza the other day kicked out a dog. I know. So when I said a couple of weeks ago that a yes. lot of folks in this city don't like Tony and he's moody, he is. One time I see oh, him at an oh. event, he's very nice and he's a jerk off. He kicked the dog. I would give anything to watch the both of you up there as he I fornicates you and you mad dog him. And then Teddy Atlas says, okay, guys, look, I don't want any fights right here, but we might as well get it on. One round, right, three minutes, bare knuckles, everybody would have the time of their life. You know, I just said such beautiful things about my wife. Yes. Last hour. And she said, she just texted me. She goes, the only reason why I'm going tonight is to watch Tony Danza ring your bell. <laughs> oh, that's a great disco song, Ring My Bell. I do remember oh, that Oh, that one. is yes. a great disco song. <laughs> by the way, I got to ring Nomalinen's bell. All of a sudden, he was one tough Jew. And by the way, when you speak to Dove Hyken, truly a tough Jew, you got to let him know from Curtis Sliwa, the street fighter, the warrior. It's time to revive the JDL that he was a member of. Every Jew at 22. It's time to revive. I agree, but I have to tell you that I'm a little proud. I know he's still no good, trust me. No good. Jonathan Greenblatt, the head of the ADL. But I'm going to play for you something later. He was on MSNBC yesterday attacking that network. He was on attacking MSNBC for sympathizing with the Palestinians. So proving he did not get a breast. He actually had a pair. <laughs> but let me get on Noam, right? So Noam, one tough Jew, he's taking on these uh, people on the Upper West Side, ripping down the posters. You know, he was sort of like uh, Gary Gilbert, you know, the brother of the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, who, I love that guy. Who was taking on the, uh, the Arab sympathizers who went out to uh, boycott that movie, Bearing Witness, and he said, yeah, we'll be armed and ready for you, cowardly punks, if you try to interfere with our showing of what actually occurred with the pogrom by Hamas on October 7th. Well, guess what? He never showed up, but the point was now all of the Arabs and the Palestinians are saying, oh, you got to suspend him from the NBA arenas for the safety of Arab and Palestinian fans. Arab and Palestinian fans 
I mean, come on. If the NBA depended on them in order to pay their superstars oh, with Jewish money, right, LeBron? <laughs> with Jewish money. I got that Jew money. That's what LeBron said. He did say that. That's right. But let me tell you one last thing here. Noam Laden, though, he disparaged Mother Teresa. He put her in the same category as all you eagle, <laughs> eagle, you humongous <laughs> attitudes. How the hell did Mother Teresa end up with that? You don't attack Mother Teresa. They wouldn't honor her at the Empire State Building when she would have been 100. They said, oh, no, we're not honoring Mother Teresa. So what did they do the beginning of the week? They honored Wu-Tang Clan. ODB, old dirty bastard. Are you crazy? Empire State Building. Those are your peeps. Those are your peeps, Noam. They wouldn't honor Mother Teresa. Noam, I kiss you because you took on those self-hating Jews on the Upper West Side. You shoot, showed that you had grown a pair that weren't kosher. But now I smack you down for, for disparaging Mother Teresa. You don't dare ever mention her name again unless you, oh, you idolize her and put her on the pedestal that she deserves. Take that, Noam lady. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. A lot more to come this morning on this uh, very, very big Thursday show. Peter King, Bill O'Reilly, Dove Hikind, Hillel Fold, Judge Napolitano. But I want to carve out just a couple of minutes here to talk to uh, Victims' Rights New York, uh, the advocate, of course, my dear friend Jennifer Harrison. I know this uh, governor, this awful person, she's awful, Kathy Hochul is about to sign this Clean Slate Act. No one's talking about it, folks, but you should be because it's a big, big deal and puts more New Yorkers in danger. Who better to talk about it than Jen Harrison? Jen, good morning. How are you? I'm hanging in there, Sid. It's it's a little disheartening this morning knowing that she's going to do this at 10 a.m. 10 a.m., the governor, Kathy Hochul, public enemy number one, two, three, you put her wherever you want. She's right there with Cuomo and the rest of them. She's going to sign this clean slate act. So for folks who are not up on this, Explain what it is and why, in fact, it puts New Yorkers in danger and is upsetting you this morning. 
it, this um, awful piece of legislation is going to automatically seal records after three years for anyone who committed a misdemeanor and after eight years for anyone who committed a felony except for Class A felonies. So they like to throw that in our faces because that consists of murder but and not registered sex offenders. But there are a lot of people who are killers and accepted plea deals or were convicted of manslaughter who will now get a clean slate. Um, if you committed rape alongside armed robbery and the rape wasn't prosecuted, which actually happens very often to spare the victim trauma and pain of testifying, um, you don't have to register as a sex offender. That doesn't mean that you're not a, a rapist. They will get a clean slate. So not only is this another kick in the gut to victims and felt in the very core of our souls, but it's a huge risk, risk to public safety because no longer will you be able to check the backgrounds of construction workers that are coming into your homes or babysitters that are coming into your homes. There's a woman, Kim Crawford, who beat her own child so severely that he, he lingered for five days on his couch. She didn't take him to the hospital because she didn't want to get in trouble, and he died. She was convicted or pled guilty to manslaughter, only served two to six years in prison, and now she will get a clean slate. She could be in your home babysitting your children, and you'll never even know what she's capable of. Wow. Now I see why you're so upset. I mean, unbelievable. In a time where we're talking about crime and all the issues and putting recidivists and dangerous people back on the streets and bail reform, and she's out there yelling and screaming, I'm trying, I'm trying, and low lives like Andrew Cuomo come on the station with all the answers now. If they're building this thing, you're telling me she's going to sign this in two and a half hours? Yes, uh, it, it's, it's awful, and I, it's so bad. She knows how bad it is that she didn't even put it on her schedule. Normally when a governor puts their public schedule out and says that they're signing a piece of legislation, they name the piece of legislation. Her, her uh, publicist or, or scheduler didn't even list the name of the legislation. That's how bad this is. And she must know it because why wouldn't she name it? Jennifer Harris still going yeah. ahead and doing this. Yeah, Jennifer Harrison, Victims' Rights New York advocate, and um, often on this program because she's always talking about very important stuff. She looks out for the safety of New Yorkers more than our own political officials do. That's a fact. That's the bottom line. Tell me about this story about a Long Island resident. If you don't know, Jen is from Shirley, Long Island, out there by uh, Lee Zeldin. This um, lady who, uh, or man, I'm not even sure who uh, continues to get caught uh, arson, setting places on fire, and is allowed to get back out and do it again, time and time again. 41-year-old Amanda Burnside. Tell me about this story. I mean, I, her name says it all, right? Burnside is going around lighting fires. But this is, this is happening in the Hamptons. Sid. This was in a very quiet community in East Quag, which is like the quietest of communities of all. White suburbia. Hamptons, Long Island, okay, goes and, and lights porches on fire, gets arrested. The judge releases her with no, no bond. She's a complete danger to society, goes to the Dollar Tree, holds a store clerk at knife point. The cops almost had to shoot her. They came very, very close to having to shoot this woman who never should have been on the streets to begin with. The judge releases her again. It's absolutely ridiculous. Thank God that we have, you know, crime fighters like Ray Tierney in office out here because we vote for the way of life that we that we want and, and for public safety who who rearrested her immediately. 
and, and has the wherewithal to work around bail reform and this insanity. But this woman never should have been on the street. That she, This judge that released her and bail reform put endangered her. She's not getting the services that she needs. She's obviously very mentally ill endangered the rest of the community, that store employee, and the police officers that had to go and respond to this crime again. Wow. Well, Jen, as always, thank you for hopping on this morning. Two very important stories. One more time, Governor Kathy Hochul about to sign that Clean Slate Act. And Jen explained to you just how dangerous that is. That's coming up at 10 o'clock this morning. And another case of a recidivist out on Long Island committing bad crimes, allowed to get back out and do it over and over and over again. Jen, thank you, Sudan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. Jen Harrison, Victims Rights New York. Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. It's funny. That song here, Lewis, Justin Ellick just put Judge Napolitano's column in front of me. It's been a great show already. Curtis Sleewood, Jen Harrison, huge guests still to come your way. And Knapp's column reads, whatever happened to the freedom of speech? And it's funny how often I struggle with the First Amendment and all, all these Beautiful freedoms were allowed. And we've had this conversation before me and the judge. Just a couple of weeks ago, I called Frank Morano an asshole because he said one of the things he loves about this country is that pro-Palestinian people have a right to march. And that's one of the things I hate about this country. Hate it. Every march that they're involved in, including yesterday, involves in roughing up police officers, violence, everyone. Like I said earlier, we put 300,000 people in D.C. two days ago. 300,000. 600 times the size of these lowlifes in Bay Ridge. They sang, they kissed, they hugged. Not one, not one example of violence. Not one. These people put a couple of hundred together and they get arrested. They beat up cops. They're animals. Whether they're Soros, bought, stupid kids, well, legitimate terrorists, they're animals. So this whole freedom of speech and, I don't know, man, I think we need to take a better look at it. It's got to be like more rules. We need to amend some stuff, you know. I mean, if you're a hateful group, then shut up. I don't want to hear Rashida Talib's, uh, Talib's. Well, but Sid, you don't get it. She doesn't like what you say. What if they shut you down? Fine, I don't care. It needs to be amended. It's not, it's, it's, times have changed. Folks, we even added a wild card team to baseball. What a gr- that's a great comparison. It's true. Sure. Everybody yelled about baseball tradition. How can you do that? The Bill of Rights and the baseball playoffs. Thank you. Uh, I mean, you're genius. It's never ending with you. <laughs> it's great. You could be one of the new founding fathers mm-hmm. of the new movement. You know why you're being sarcastic, Lewis? <laughs> Indeed not. Oh, There's the a touch of seriousness in there. <laughs> I see how you're, you're, it's over the wheels in your head are yeah. already spinning like, hey, Lou might be on to something. Yeah, I, I should have know. you write the Jewish Bill of Rights. That's right. Does one exist? No. Oh. Anyway, here he is, the author of this column. He's a great guest on this show at this time. Every Thursday, my friend, Judge Andrew 
Napolitano. Judge Knapp, how are you, pal? Oh, good morning. I'm fine. I'm laughing like hell over the baseball <laughs> comparison. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, everybody talks about tradition and the uh, the, the Constitution and the, the First Amendment and... Times change. Things do. I'm not saying abolish anything. I love our Constitution. I love the First Amendment. But to tweak something every now and then may not be a bad idea, Judge. No, you don't want to tweak. No, we don't want to do that. No, you're right. No, we want these people to continue to march on the streets and beat up cops and yell death to the Jews. No, and no. When, they beat, when, they, when they beat up cops, they get arrested and they should be prosecuted. Sometimes the liberal... Prosecutors don't prosecute them. That's the fault of the, of the uh, voters for electing the wrong people as prosecutors. You don't think that once I, they're showing swastikas, living, they're sh- relying on the freedom of speech, and millions listen to you every day. Yeah, but I don't. I, have but I don't come on the air and encourage people to. I don't go on the air like these people do with these rallies and scream death to the Jews. They scream those exact well, I words. Know, I know what they scream, and it's horrible. But you're, it should what be illegal. you should do is challenge what they say, not silence what they say. When you silence hate speech, then you don't know where it comes from. When you allow it, you at least know who the haters are, and you can rebut them, resist them, and neuter them publicly with your more rational speech. Can't do any of that. They win every time. They win every time. And by the way, they resort to violence. So how am I rebuffing them? How am I stopping them? They don't care what happens to them. I actually care. I've got a wife. I've got a family. I've got a job. These animals got nothing to lose. They just don't care. They do it in the spirit, some of them, of their religion. Their religion calls for this. I'm sorry. It should not be legal. I'm, I'm not buying this that, well, you take away my rights. I don't encourage people to do what these animals are doing every day. Every day. But, but when you put the government between the speaker and the listener, you give government awesome power, which the Constitution doesn't authorize, to decide what can be said and what can be listened to. The whole purpose of the First Amendment is to keep the government out of the business of speech. If you don't like what they say, don't listen. If you think what they say is dangerous, challenge them. You, Sid Rosenberg, have the biggest megaphone in New York City. You have the ability, and because of what you believe in, the responsibility to challenge these people and take them on, not using violence, but using reason and and uh, and the force of your personality, candidly. <laughs> oh, Liz, I appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words, and I do. I do it every day, but sometimes I just feel defeated because I can't stop these people, and again, you heard the example I used, 300,000 strong. Nobody broke a nail. Nobody broke a nail. The next day, they got a couple of hundred people, and they're putting cops in the hospital. I just okay, I don't understand how that, that's okay. What you've just said resonates with the public. The public sees that, and the public knows which side is rational, which side behaves properly, which side is in favor of peace, and which side is in favor uh, of violence. And the more irrational the other side is, the less support they have, the less likely uh, they will prevail. But if we try to silence them, their speech will still come out, and we won't even know who they are. You know, I was talking to uh, my wife, Danielle, who's a big fan of yours. She's a great lawyer. She's brilliant. And I I think she's right. I think what's happened here, Judge, 
is that we live in basically a lawless society. This bail reform has destroyed this city and state. It's very bail, nice. Bail reform is horrible. The woman right. you just had on uh, a few minutes ago who spoke about this awful legislation that the governor is going to sign, that lady was 100% correct. The governor is just horrible uh, for signing this legislation. This sure. is going to unleash the creeps on Right, that's clean, that's clean slate. But your friend, you've admitted he's a friend of yours, he was the architect of bail reform before Hochul, that creep Andrew correct, Cuomo. Correct. Yeah. He so is, he is a friend of mine, and like you, you, I stick, um, I stick to my friends. I want to get back to the First Amendment. Go ahead. So at the Philadelphia Eagles game in Philadelphia two weeks ago, a former New Jersey state senator came to the game. He's got a box. He's a rich guy. He's got a luxurious uh, box. He pays for it. He's a terrific guy. He out of the box a banner yep. that shows on the banner. He had it specially made. Two flags uh, crossing each other very elegantly, the American flag and the Israeli flag. The Philadelphia cops told him, take it down. Said, what do you mean take it down? Free speech. This place is owned by the government. You can't tell me to take it down. An hour later, he was escorted out of the stadium and into his car by the police. That's what happens when you give the government the power to get involved in the freedom of speech. He had every right to put that banner out there. It didn't cause any dispute or any commotion. He was expressing the views that you and I agree with, and the cops shut him down in total violation of the First Amendment. I told him to sue the city of Philadelphia in federal court in New Jersey. Well, let me just add uh, some more substance to it. It wasn't the cops. The cops eventually did escort him out of the stadium. It was the mayor of Philadelphia who happened to be inside that same box with batting stupid Chris Christie, and it was the mayor who called the cops to get this guy escorted. What's sad about that story is the owner of the Eagles was also in the box. His name is Jeff Lurie, and he's Jewish, okay? But you know what? You can have BLM in the end zone. You can have BLM everywhere. The truth is, Judge, the truth is the NFL has made it very, very clear you cannot, you cannot bring banners to a stadium stating anything politically. So the truth is. I don't care what the NFL I agree. Well, well, okay, but. I agree. You're making my point for me. He broke the rules. He broke the law. But so what? Right. Right. And he broke the rules. He didn't break the law. He broke the rule that the city of Philadelphia broke the law by by punishing him because of the content of his speech. And and that's the beauty of the First Amendment. And the First Amendment needs breathing room, which means sometimes people get upset at what other people say. Too bad. If you don't like the banner, look away from it. Judge Napolitano, he's going fired up. I like this. Hey, by the way, Judge, are you having... Steak with my uh, friend Steve Lapa across the street tomorrow afternoon? Yes, I am, and I think you might be joining us. <laughs> well, I, I do have to, co- at the very least, if I can't eat, I must come in and say hello to my two dear friends. I love Absolutely. both of you guys. Yes, Judge Napolitano and uh, Steve Lapa. So here's Biden, and, um, you know, he, day after day, he confuses me. You know, today he's done a good job. I got to give him credit where credit is due when he's saying that, you know what, if you're Hamas, you cannot, you cannot put your headquarters in the basement of a hospital and then complain about the Israelis. You just can't do it. I wish everybody else in the media and the rest of the politicians would come to that obvious crashing realization. But to the president's credit, he has pointed that out. So 
He's had moments where I got to give him credit, and I hate him. You know I hate him. And he's had moments where he proves that, once again, he's not a friend of Israel, in bed with Iran, pauses and ceasefires and all that nonsense. He's got me so confused here, Judge, I don't know what to do. Well, you know, even a, even a stop clock is right twice a day. Uh, I share I share your view of Joe Biden, but I also commend him uh, for what he said uh, yesterday. And nobody said it better than the uh, than the New York Post. You know, AR fifteens behind the MRI machine. I mean, that is about as creepy as things get. That is rough. Wow. And that's his, uh, that's exactly what's going on. So let me ask you, Judge, um, what do you think about all the legal issues? Uh, with the mayor, you know, he is um, very, very confident. He says it almost every day. I play by the rules. I don't want to hear it. I knew that they'd be looking very, very closely at my campaign. I make sure I follow all the rules. But between this Turkish uh, president, Erdogan, who's about as bad as it gets, and Erdogan is the first guy to want to kill the Jews, how Eric Adams could have a relationship with Erdogan and then invite Jews to Gracie Mansion also confuses me like Joe Biden, but he does. And then, of course, Brianna Suggs, her home being raided. It doesn't seem like there's nothing there. What do you think? I, I think there is probably something there. Listen, you and I both know the FBI mentality. I don't think they would have leaked to this uh, unless they had something there, because by leaking it, uh, they would be uh, embarrassed if there is nothing there. Uh, it's terrible uh, errors of judgment on his part to be praising the Turks in a city uh, like New York, like Bob Menendez in New Jersey, and in bed with the Egyptians in a state like New Jersey. It's just terrible, terrible uh, judgment. However, if he accepted money from the Turks, and if they masked that money to pretend that it came from Americans, and if he was involved in the masking, he's going to go away. He's going to go away. It doesn't sound like it's a real serious crime, but it is. The feds are maniacal about keeping foreign influence out of American campaigns. And that's the law. The feds are not, you know, the FBI is not making this up. Congress wrote very, very strong uh, statutes about it. Um, I like Eric Adams, even though I disagree with him on so many things. I don't know him personally uh, the way you do. I know he's your friend. But he better get some very good uh, criminal defense lawyers, some ex-federal prosecutors who know how to deal with this. Because to me, just on the surface, it doesn't look good. Fair enough. Uh, that was a great speech. Thank God for the First Amendment so Judge Napolitano can come on and yell at me. I'll see you at lunch tomorrow. All right. I can't wait to see you. You know I love you. And your your segment is really great. I mean, really great. Thank you so much. All the best, Ted. Take care. That is Judge Andrew Napolitano. That wraps up a great 7 a.m. hour here on this Thursday. Curtis Sliwa, Jennifer Harrison, and the judge. We got a big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. Two beloved Long Islanders, beloved Long Islanders, two great men, Peter King and Bill O'Reilly, before we go to Israel in the 9 o'clock hour. Folks, it's a great show. Keep it right here. Hour 3 coming at you.
Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. show coming up this August, giving away tickets all week long. Chicago and these guys. Philip Bailey, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, as we speak, there's a bunch of um, animals that are calling for a ceasefire. You're not getting a ceasefire. We'll give you a couple of days. We'll give you a bit of a pause. Then we're going to kill you again. So here's your chance to get out. But um, there's a bunch of folks in Boston right now that are trying to block traffic. And I did see... Some of the local authorities in Massachusetts. It looked like they were getting a little physical with these people. That's what I want to see. I hate to say it, but I want to see that. I want to see cops in New York and Boston and Philly when these people do things that are illegal. You know, you can't beat them up if they're standing in a circle. But once they start to block traffic, that's illegal. Bash their faces in. Bash them in. Leave them for dead. I don't care. You know, Curtis and I talked about this yesterday. They've left our poor cops in New York so hamstrung that I don't have those billy clubs anymore. And you can't just shoot somebody, you know that. So the other side, they've got bottles and cans and who knows what. And the cops, they got nothing. Literally, they got nothing. Get the billy clubs back. You can put it up against their neck, hold them against the wall. Or if worse comes to worse, bash them across the head. But our cops, they got nothing. So I'd like to see some of the cops stand up for themselves and, quite frankly, stand up for us. And don't treat these people so nicely. You block traffic, you break the law. If you don't stop and, God forbid, you get physical, we're going to put you in the hospital. How about that? You like that, Lou? You okay with that, Lewis? I'm I'm way ahead of you. I'm way okay with Oh, you want him dead. I know. I know. Anyway, my next guest is one of the two best politicians in my lifetime locally. The mayor, Rudy Giuliani, and the great congressman out of Long Island, the esteemed Peter King, Homeland Security. He's usually on Wednesdays at 840. But I have to say he's being treated very shambly by Justin Ellick on this show. And they move him to different hours, now different days. And What do you mean they? Like who, they as in me? That would be you. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Did somebody else do this? Well. Be I'm careful. Gonna, I'm not Be very point. careful. I'm not going to point any fingers. Be very careful. I just said I'm not going to point any fingers. Take the bullet, bitch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? 
Pete, how are you, buddy? Actually, I'm getting ready to start negotiating with Len Berman. So, uh, <laughs> no, listen, I, actually, just a few things. One, I got to tell you, Don Newcomb won the uh, Rookie of the Year in 1949, not 1956. So, yeah, Let me tell you, this guy Pete King is all over this stuff. I think he was 17 and 8 that year. He won yeah. MVP in Cy Young in 56, right? Absolutely. He was already in his eighth year in the uh, big leagues. Anyway, a few things. One, you may be an expert on this. Uh, I went deaf in my left ear two weeks ago. I go to the doctor. He puts me on steroids to get it back. I go to him yesterday. He said it's only halfway back. I got to go on steroids for a while longer. Since you're the expert, yeah. if I keep taking steroids, will I start acting crazy and look like you? No. no they're giving you um, – these are uh, – what do you call like prednisone? You mean like? I guess so. All I know is it's uh, not you know, steroids. steroids. You're not taking what Alex good. Rodriguez took. Okay, well, I'm just wondering. <laughs> I'm thinking of you. I, I see how you act. I think maybe you took so many steroids. Hey, listen, anyway. I, I'm a very, very calm guy until we start discussing or uh, things like this. I mean, even moments ago when I said leave him for dead, of course I didn't mean that. I don't want anybody to die ever, ever. But um, you know, I get very angry because I can't believe Pete. The amount of folks out there, and this is why your county specifically has done such a great job, right. Nassau County. Yesterday, for example, I had two guests on, both from Nassau County. One, Anthony D'Esposito, who great I believe guy. may be the yet the best young congressman in D.C., and the other, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, who along with Anthony the day before went to the rally in D.C. I had no right. idea he was Jewish, and he is a great guy. Your county continues, Peter King, to step up big. And we have a great police commissioner, Pat Ryder. I mean, these guys are on the job 24-7. But I get back to one other point. You said yesterday that instead of getting mad at you, I'd probably go home and I'd yell at Rosemary. First of all, it doesn't matter. She doesn't listen to me. She doesn't care. But you also said that maybe I'd punch Melissa Zim. Are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, she is lethal. She is dangerous. She is deadly. And all I know is, she, unfortunately for you, she was listening to the show. And she called me immediately. She said, you tell Sid I'm going to punch him in the face. I can't believe this Joseph Abood car thing is still going on. Yes, you haven't gotten signed, and you promised her. And she's, yeah, let me tell you, don't get in her way. She's angry right now. I know. Angry woman. She's angry. Didn't I put Joseph Abood together with you guys? No. No? In fact, in fact that night at the Order O'Reilly, the guy whose car it is, a great guy. He come up to you, he's saying, Sid, you're my hero. Can you please get a son? Oh, it's all taken care of. Don't worry. Nothing. It makes me look bad. makes me look bad. I get her sitting there screaming to me on the phone. Oh, you're God. turning around punching her in the face. You got, this is crazy. Get me out of this. Come on. Oh, gosh. She is one of the toughest ladies. I mean, Danielle's no slouch. Neither is Rosemary, by the way. No, no, she's not, no. No, but Melissa is about as, as tough as they come, and, of course, she carries a gun, so that makes her even tougher. I know she's listening right now. She gets a kick out of all this, but you're very lucky. She is an excellent person to guard you every day. She's loyal. She's a great person, and she will kill somebody in a heartbeat to protect you, in a heartbeat. Right now, right now you're at the top of the list, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> Well, that's not good news. But let's get back to uh, yeah. to Bruce Blakeman and Anthony D'Esposito. Good start here, Pete. Very funny. Uh, your folks in Nassau County, after the election day results a couple of weeks ago, where Long Island, for the most part now, is red. Eddie Romaine won out there in Suffolk County. You mentioned Pat Ryder. For the most part, your uh, your Long Island is red. And I don't think it's any coincidence that it's a great place to live, a great place to live, and it's red. No coincidence, right? 
Right, really, it is red. And in the last two years, like in Suffolk County, Ed Romaine is going to be a great county executive. That's the first time in 20 years we had Suffolk County executive. Ray Tierney, the DA, that used to be Democrat, now it's Republican. County, uh, the uh, county legislature, now it's Republican. Nassau County, Ann Donnelly became the DA. Bruce Blakeman became the uh, county executive. We elected Anthony D'Esposito in a district that has 75,000 more registered Democrats and Republicans. So, and that mainly, uh, of all the reasons, because they're tough on law and order. They are tough. They stand with the cops. They stand with the men and women in blue. They don't back down. They don't give in to political correctness. And they take no nonsense from, from anyone. I mean, on election night, Bruce Blakeman said, Nassau County will never be a sanctuary county. Ed Romaine in Suffolk County. Suffolk County will not be a sanctuary county. No apologies, no excuses. They draw the line. That's it. They are they have tough, very well-disciplined cops. Here in Nassau, Pat Ryder. In fact, I'm involved with Pat in some different issues. This guy is around the clock. It's always, you can call Pat Ryder any time of the day and night, tell him some guy's uh, you know, picking someone's pocket in some obscure street and he'll have three cops there. Pat Ryder is a, again, a full-time police commissioner. Rodney Harrison does a great job in Suffolk County. I'm sure whoever they bring in, whoever Ed Romaine brings in, will do a top job. Because the standard is enforce the law. What you were saying is true. Listen, you, uh, you know, I heard you and the judge going back and forth on free speech. Free speech is fine. And I'm probably closer to uh, the judge than I am to you. He and I went to the same law school. But having said that, if there is going to be free speech, if there are going to be demonstrations, the cops have to be allowed to enforce the law. You can't have these animals running around, throwing stuff at cops, destroying property. And this all started, really, during the George Floyd riots, when they allowed people to desecrate St. Patrick's Cathedral, try to burn down Macy's, destroy businesses all over the city, including minority businesses everywhere, and uh, nothing was done. And the cops were hitting, had bricks thrown out, the Molotov cocktails, and the public officials, I don't know, one public official in New York City or New York State among the Democrats who said one word in defense of the cops. In fact, they said they were proud to stand with the protesters as cops were ducking Molotov cocktails. I know a cop who had an old seat knocked out. He was in the ambulance, and the, uh, those animals tried to turn the ambulance over. And not a word. I mean, there's nothing. Uh, yep. So we got to see with the cops. We got to do it. And, right. Uh, no, and one of those guys. And, and one of those guys you're talking about was Cuomo. I mean, Kamala Harris actually provided bail money for some of these people to get out. And Cuomo was all about it. He's like, hey, go out there. You yell and scream for what's right. And, you know, Bill O'Reilly's going to join me in about uh, 15 minutes. But I had Bill on twice this week because he had such a great rant going against Andrew Cuomo on Katz's show. Yeah, but but you were there. And when I played back the Bill O'Reilly rant, you came in, your voice came in, Peter King, and you said, uh, actually, Bill, I agree with you that Andrew Cuomo's got a set of balls to come on now as if he's got all the answers, when in fact, when in fact, he's the guy that drew this whole thing up. I mean, it's unbelievable how people now come on the radio like like they're, they're, they're good people, they've got all the answers, when they were an immense part of the problem. Well, actually, Rosemary was listening to that. She remembered the summer of 2020, Andrew Cuomo put out a statement. This was the night after a cop got hit in the face with a brick. And Andrew Cuomo said, I'm proud to stand with the protesters. I tweeted out, well, you wouldn't be so proud to stand with them if you didn't have 20 state troopers standing around you protecting you. So I'm at home. He calls me on the phone. And the two of us, it was like two kids in a, a schoolyard, cursing back and forth. Who the hell are you going to say that about me? And I said, it's because you're the cops are being uh, beat up. Anyway, back and forth. He was totally different now. He acts like he was the guy who was standing there with the cops. He was standing there with the protests. <laughs> yeah. I know Bill O'Reilly went, uh, went at him pretty hard. And, and look, you know, it's, um, it's a mess. You know, Governor Hochul, I had Jen Harrison on last hour. She's about to sign this clean slate act 
coming up in an hour and a half. And Jen did a very good job, Peter King, of pointing out very specifically why this is so dangerous for New Yorkers. So here's Hochul telling everybody, you don't get it. I've tried to amend bail reform. I've tried to talk to all these people. Exactly, yuck. And now she's going to sign the Clean Slate Act? What is she doing? They're playing games with people's minds. Listen, they were they're hiding under their beds. Uh, that was standing with the protesters. They didn't say a word defending the cops. They said nothing about bail reform back then. They supported it. They were for it. That, that was the beginning of it in 2019. Then George Floyd came along in 2020 where these were riots, not peaceful demonstrations, where the cops had their power taken away from them. We've lost control of the city since then. And we need, if they want to have a clean slate, get rid of the governor, get rid of all these officials are in there who have been anti-cop, pro-crime. And that, that, that's the bottom line of the whole thing. It really is. It's a, it's a disgrace. And uh, that's why I understand where you're coming from. I know where the judge is coming from. But if we're going to have people peaceful, quote-unquote, peacefully demonstrate, it better be peaceful. If not, take your handcuffs off the cops and put them on the bad guys. You know, you mentioned Macy's, and, uh, yeah, they did. Now, what does Macy's do? If I hear one more time about the non-binary transgender uh-huh. performers are having on Thanksgiving, it really makes me throw up. It's so nauseating and gross at this point, and I'm, I'm pro-gay. I'm all for it. God bless them. People should be happy. But they go to a place where a lot of Americans just don't understand, nor do they want to. And why Macy's, whose own place, as you said, was set on fire by some of these same exact people, go out of their way to appease some of these people? How does that make any sense? Makes no sense at all. Just like the LGBTQ plus community, when I see them marching, marching with the people who would throw them off roofs, who would behead them, who would torture them, I, I you wonder what's going on in you know, people's minds. It's just uh, uh, also, going back to 2020, I remember when uh, uh, the DA, the DA refused to side dance, would not arrest people, would not uh, press charges against people who were robbing stores, who desecrated St. Patrick's Cathedral. Now, God forbid if they even looked for a side of the mosque, they'd lock them up. They go out there desecrating, again, one of the most famous cathedrals in the world, and they, you know, they walked away because they were expressing their opposition, whatever the hell they call it. Now, listen, we've lost control of the city. We've lost control. Uh, we've lost uh, uh, traditional values and beliefs. We've got to bring them back. And that starts with supporting the police. It also it continues with you know, listening to guys like you on the radio. With all your rants and all your raves and all the fact that I'm so mad at you because you throw me off the show all the time, <laughs> I still think you are important to society. Also, just, you know, I was going to accuse you of being anti-Irish yesterday when you put me off. But O'Reilly's on the show every time we turn around. What do you mean? Lou was on every day, and my former partner was Bernard. (laughs) I love the Irish. Uh, One more, though, you know, uh, and you've nailed this. You've talked about how we've lost the city, right? So you would think holidays coming up, a lot of tourists here, which include terrorists. Uh, You would think that with all the crime possibilities, if we ever needed a time to keep our streets safe, like the People like me who like to stand up on a Saks Fifth Avenue and enjoy the lights or walk down Fifth Avenue, for that matter. You would think, if anything, we'd employ more cops this time of year to keep New York safe because this is a big part of our tourism. And the mayor announced yesterday that there'll be a 15 percent cut across the board, which includes the NYPD. Peter, talk to me, baby. How? How? That is wrong in every respect. One, we need them for on-the-street crime to stop it, to make it safe for tourists, for people for the whole Christmas, Hanukkah season. But also terrorism. Listen, before the immigrant crisis, this migrant crisis, there was a terrorist threat to the city. Now that's gone up 20-fold. And all we need is one terrorist attack. They've cut back. They're cutting back on the counterterrorism units. They're going to have less cops. This is insane. 
it's 20 years from now, people are writing history of this period. They'll say, what was wrong with these people? Were they nuts? By the way, last night I was driving home from the studio, I was uh, going on Queens Boulevard with all the lights, there's a big thing up there, welcome to the sunny side, the neighborhood I grew up in. And it really brought back memories of what it was back when America was America. And people, you know, believed in, it wasn't perfect. There were a lot of things were wrong then. But at least there were the basic values that everyone shared. It was after World War II. People loved veterans. They loved cops. They believed in law and order. There wasn't much money to go around. But there were certain values. You saw, and nobody cried or complained. Nobody was a victim. They, didn't, they were victims and didn't know it. Nobody was complaining about being a victim. I mean, you just went ahead and did your work. So that's in old New York. I know it's not going to come back. It's maybe an inspiration of what we can think of. Just like, you know, like your neighbors in Brooklyn. I mean, they were, they were different times then. Yeah. People believed in something. And those values should last. Times are going to change, but the values should last. Well, they haven't. Uh, this is from Joseph Abood, Peter, after your tremendous appearance here. He says, how have we sunk so low that our misguided officials only protect the criminals and completely ignore the good people who put them in office? It's disgraceful. And could you please give Peter King my cell phone number? We'll figure something out about an autograph with a car. Love you guys this morning. The world's best men's fashion designer. I added that. Joseph Abood. So there you go. And a great American. What a great guy he is, by the way, Joseph Abood. And uh, I hate that he's caught up in the middle of this brutal brawl between you, me, and Melissa. <laughs> like, he's like collateral damage. It's poor guy. It's terrible. He, he, know, he is the like the sweetest man you, ever. He really is. That, that's the price you pay for being Sid Rosenberg's friend. You get caught in the collateral damage. And guess what? I have no remorse. That's the way it goes. <laughs> hey, you were amazing today. It was a day later, but a day better. I got to tell you that. So as always, Peter King, you're always great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. You're the Take best. Uh, you yeah. too. That's the great Congressman Peter King. He was funny as hell today. He's always funny. He's bright guys, funny guys. He loves life. I love Peter. I actually... Really do wish he was still serving. I mean, we'd lose him on Wednesdays. I love him on this show. I really do. But New York needs guys like Peter King. He talked about values, what it was like in Brooklyn and Sunnyside years ago. And it wasn't perfect. We know that. But it was better. Folks, it was better. Bottom line, not for everybody, not for every person. That's not the way it goes. I'm talking when you talk about things in a city, in a state, in a society. You have to speak in general terms. It wasn't different. It was better. Let's strive for that. Bill O'Reilly, the greatest. He's coming up next. Talk Radio 77. WABC. You're my best friend. Is Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Folks, you know the spiel. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. Whether it's weeknights at 9 p.m. right here on WABC with his no spin to his own website, which is tremendous. Best website out there. Bottom line. He's got uh, columns and interviews, TV show. Of course, it's PillOReilly.com. To the Killing series, which is Killing It Now with Killing the Witches. Every book is great. Not that far removed from a night together on stage on Long Island. And back for a second time this week, the star, Bill O'Reilly. And, uh, Bill, I'm, are you, have you calmed down a bit? Or are you still made at Andrew Cuomo today? No, I told you guys it wasn't personal against Cuomo. Um, the message I wanted to deliver, and I think I did it in a, a way that got attention. You did. Was it BS has to stop? 
This is insulting to me, to you, and to every single person listening to us this morning. You, you can't be the architect of disaster, and then when it unfolds, come in and go, oh, um, look look at that disaster. we got to do something about it. Come on. <laughs> well, could See, you... Remember that show Laugh-In yes. way yeah. back sure. where they uh, satirized politics? Mm-hmm. This would be the lead, right? I mean, when you've got a guy – and Biden's the same way. Let, let, let's just bring it right up to Biden. So there's Biden uh, in San Francisco. Oh, we made a deal on fentanyl. Hey, bud, it's your fault all this fentanyl's coming into the United States. And China's not going to – look, where's the oversight? Who's going who's gonna to do that? All right, who's going to – yeah, uh, here's she. Well, we'll, we'll stop. We'll, we'll crack down. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. You know how much money pours into China? Oh. Selling this garbage. All right, they're not cracking down on anything. He's made that promise six times prior. She has. But it's Biden's fault, the open border, where, I mean, you can ride a bicycle in with 10 pounds of heroin. It's ridiculous. And and then when it gets here, you can sell it, and you won't get any bail if you're caught. I mean, you know, it, it's insane. You will not be held on bail. And the other thing that really bothered me this week were the two cops in the Bronx on the subway platform. You hear about this story? The ones that got beat up? Yeah. Yeah. So he got three thugs smoking pot on the subway platform, okay? And the police walk over to them and say, just put out the pot. Not arresting them, not doing anything. And they get jumped by the three guys. Okay, on video. You saw it. It was intense. No bail. <laughs> okay? Now, Darcel Clark, the uber-left DA in the Bronx, asked for bail. But the insane judge, yeah, no. Nah. So that sends a message to every single, all 44,000 New York City police employees. Well, well, how many? 44,000. No, it's not. In fact, I'll tell you this. Right no, I'm now, talking about personnel and all of that. Oh, okay, maybe because everybody. Okay, maybe that's true because Eric Adams, as you know, announced yesterday an NYPD hiring freeze. He's about to slash the budget from the cops is too. There may be forty four thousand overall. You're right, Bill, but actual yeah, cops. Enough. There's only thirty thousand cops. It's the lowest number of cops we've had in ages, and we can't recruit. And now we've got a hiring freeze. Yeah, How are we going to keep the city safe? The migrants. Yeah, that's why. But but my point is, is this. If you are a New York City police officer or you work in a precinct or you're training or whatever you're doing, traffic agent, okay, somebody can walk up to you and assault you. And the city and the state of New York go, nah, no big deal. No big deal. We're not punishing them. Now, these people have to, uh, and, and one guy is still at large, all right? They have to come back December 18th for a hearing. Yeah. I'm going to watch that hearing very, very closely. Yeah. And, you know, it comes a point now, and the point's been reached a long time ago, where New Yorkers are saying we have to either leave, and what, about 450,000 have left since covid most of those very affluent taxpayers, or we're just going to have to surrender. 
because these people in charge aren't doing anything. They will not reform it. You know, and that was what the Hochul-Zeldin election was all about. Yep. It really was. It was about keeping New York safe, and Lee ran such a great campaign. But, you know, the numbers were just not in his favor. I I refuse to believe that Hochul won because there was a testimonial to the work she had done as the interim governor before. She's awful. She's been awful from day one, and she only got the job because the creep who put her in there is the same guy you railed against, and deservedly so, on Monday. You mentioned Biden with with, um, the Chinese leader, Xi. Embarrassing in San Francisco. And you're right. I mean, uh, Ping told Biden what he wanted to hear, and Biden always walks away beating his chest like he got something done when you made the very accurate point, which is nothing is going to change. Nothing, nothing. is going to change. It'll get worse. It'll get worse. So, right. so disorder I mean, is a contagion. Yes. And you All made right? that point Monday. That's, a, that's right. a great, great way of putting it. So yesterday, I see this. I can't believe I saw this. A poll. Fifty-one percent of Americans, Bill O'Reilly, fifty-one percent think that Joe Biden is still cognitively competent and can run this country. Fifty-one percent. What man are they watching? Well, those fifty-one percent are cognitively incompetent. Okay, so it's kind of like, remember the cliche, birds of a feather flock together? Well, this is a big flock. There's a big flock of people who don't know anything, and their leader is Joe Biden. So that's how I see it. You, If you are still convinced that this man is in charge of his office, then you are cognitively in decline <laughs> because he's not. Did you see him yesterday on the press conference? Oh, please. He's an hour and 20 minutes late, yep. as he always is. He gets up there, and he's very halting. Very, you know, you couldn't really get a clear sentence out of him. And then in the Q&A, which was supposed to be 45 minutes, it was 18 minutes. He's reading the answers off of cards to the questions. Now, Bloomberg, I, I want an answer from Bloomberg. The Bloomberg reporter asks a question. And Biden's got the answer written on a card and reads the answer off a card. Oh. Well, how did Biden know what Bloomberg was going to ask? Oh, kind of like what Donna Brazil did with Joe Biden at a debate against Donald Trump. He knew before. And Hillary Clinton. Both that was them. Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that was Hillary. Brazil yes. uh, yeah. tipped off. But here, if I'm a reporter... And I ask a question to a politician, a politician reads the answer off a card. I go, excuse me, are, are you reading your answer? Which he asked, I'm going to show that on the No Spin News tonight on television. As you should. And I'm going to show you. He's reading the answer to the Bloomberg question, and there's only two things. Bloomberg told, you know, the, the White House communications staff said to Bloomberg, we're going to select you. What do you think you're going to ask? And they told him, which is against every journalistic rule. Or they anticipated the question. No. No. Okay. It's so, the first one. But <laughs> All right. But that's what you want to believe. No, that's, I'm telling I mean, you that's I'm, what happened. I'm a guy that, that, that basically says there, there are two possibilities. Now, wait a I've second. Well, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You're also the guy. That has spent the better part of the last four years on this show, the only guy with the sense and balls to do it, calling out the media for being unethical and basically domestic Absolutely. terrorists every day. 
would it surprise me that Bloomberg gave that? That's what happened, Bill. That's what happened. Right. No. (laughs) I mean, the media is beyond corruption now. It's, uh, you know, uh, anyway. The only guy that doesn't do that is Steve Ducey, to be completely honest. That kid goes in there. No one knows who's going to. He absolutely, he made his reputation as as being uh, a pain in the butt to Biden. Right. And I'm not writing down uh, Ducey. Um, I'm just saying that he's the Dan Rather of the right. You know, Rather tortured Nixon, and that's how he made his reputation. I would, I would, how about what what Acosta at CNN did to Trump? I mean, well, same that thing. was more though of an assassination attempt. Right. <laughs> All right, that, you know, Acosta. Died. Anyway, um, I, I'm curious what, what are the Rosenbergs doing for uh, Thanksgiving? Coming to your house. Okay, good. So yeah. I'll, I'll dock in. Uh, a little bit more food, because I know what an eater you are. I've been to dinner with you. Um, Sid bit my elbow one time. He didn't mean to. He was just going for the mashed potatoes. I still got a little bruise from that. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. The last time we had dinner, not that long ago, and you're always very, very generous. You take me to the nicest place, Peter Luger, on Long Island. But I was a little nervous that you were not going to order the um, the cream of spinach. You seem to be content with the potatoes. And I, I didn't want to order for you, but I'm like, come on, Bill, baby. Come on, Bill. But yeah, you came through. <laughs> The, the spinach showed up. Um, but anyway, do you have a traditional Thanksgiving? You know, we do. And uh, for many years down in Florida, I'm so happy you asked this, because next week I'm not going to be here. Neither are you. It's a week from today's Thanksgiving, so you'll come on right. Monday if you would. If you would, please. But um, but usually Danielle did it down in Florida. Now, my niece, Tamara, and her my nephew, Lorne, they live in uh, Rockland County in New City, they're holding it this year, but very traditional in the sense we show up in the morning, we watch football, we play football, the whole family dines together. Yes, it takes you back to 1975. Good. Yeah, because I want everybody to have a nice Thanksgiving. But people coming to my house will not have a nice Thanksgiving, and here's why. Why? Because I'm going to read aloud from Killing the Witches <laughs> about what really happened on the Mayflower. Okay, so everybody thinks the Mayflower was the love boat. Okay, it's exciting and new. The Mayflower was hell. <laughs> really? Yeah. So in school, you taught Pilgrim's Mayflower, pass the stuffing, yay, yeah. right? Thanksgiving. Yeah. The Mayflower was the most hellish experience you what? could possibly go through. Really? I'm going to ruin everybody. I'm going to say, wait, listen to this from my book, Killing the Witches. You're telling me there were no blackjack tables on that boat? No, no, no. <laughs> One guy. They, the the hundred passengers were not allowed to go up on deck because it, the water was so rough and, and and it was so cold in the North Atlantic. So they had to stay below deck, five foot ceilings, below deck. Hundred people, no showers. Do the math. One guy says, "I can't take it anymore." He goes up on deck, and then all of a sudden, within two minutes, wind gust takes him. He's in the ocean. Oh my God! Yeah. This is uh, we we open the book with this now, miraculously, and I mean that literally. There is a rope at the at the end of the Mayflower in the water. He grabs the rope, and they save him. And and then we his lineage goes all the way up to this day. This guy was saved. That's unbelievable. No one knows that story. That's why killing the witches. Rosenberg has been on the New York Times bestseller list for two months. Well, you, that doesn't surprise me. Every one of your Killing Series no, books are great. but you learn. You know, yeah. people don't know what happened. 
And then these loons, these Puritans, and they were all loons, get to Cape Cod. All right, that's where they landed. They wanted to go to Virginia. They were a little off course. They were drunk. (laughs) You couldn't drink. If you drank and you were a Puritan, they cut off your nose. That's true. I mean, this is this is not. These are not party people. Um, so anyway, I'm going to go through all through. I can just see my two urchins. Look at me. Will you shut up, Dad? That's what it's going to be at my house. No, it's great. You know, I, it's funny you mention that because during Passover for the Jews, we sit down and we read, Bill, from what's called the Haggadah. And we ask the, uh, the five questions uh, every year, the same five questions, but it's a sort of a history lesson. And, for example, I'm going to go to Temple on Friday night and Saturday with Dove Hiking this week. I'm going to read from the Torah, which will be, uh, uh, you know, sort of a history lesson. And, and yet in our schools today, they're not teaching our kids about Thanksgiving. They're stuck on civil rights and slavery. So if you don't do it there at the table... How are they going to know? Uh, they're not going to know. So let me get this straight. You're going to read from the Torah on right. Friday night. That's tomorrow. correct. Uh, two, I'm going to two different shuls. I'm going to my local neighborhood shul on Friday night for a Shabbat dinner, and then I'm yeah. meeting Dove Hiking, not far from you, in the five towns at his shul on Saturday morning. I am now the king of all Jews, Bill. You are. I mean, I was going to say I'm changing your name to Moses. <laughs> Okay, and we're all going to walk across the East River when you part it. East River. That's excellent. I'm glad. Now, one tip. No obscenities. No ad-libbing. Just got to go with what the Torah says. I don't know if I can do that. I like to. In fact, I'm known to ad-lib the Torah. (laughs) So are you going to be home, though, and and Spencer's back and all that, right? No, no, no. Uh, My son is still over in Oxford. Uh, They're ranked the lacrosse team. Wow. Number two in the country. Is that right? Yesterday he had two goals. They won 15 to one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. he's uh, So he'll be back for Christmas. Yeah, same thing with Ava. She's going to stay, too, come back yeah, for he's, Christmas. Uh, he's a scholar at Oxford. We're very proud of him, and uh, we'll miss him. Great kid. Um, but <laughs> we'll have a lively Thanksgiving. I'll do your, uh, a show on Monday if you want. I mean, just, Please. You know, yes. Let's, Let's do that, okay? Yeah, that'd be fun. All right. Have a great weekend. I love you to pieces. It was another great – you're the absolute best. There's nobody even close. Thank you so much. It's always fun, Sid. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It was fun. That's the great Bill O'Reilly, ladies and gentlemen. There he is, 9 p.m. weeknights, BillOReilly.com. And magnificent on this show. He'll be back on Monday. Talking about Shul and Dove Hikind, Dove is doing something very, very nice for me coming up this Saturday morning, Shabbos, in the Five Towns. We'll talk to Dove. And then a very interesting guy. His name is Hillel Fold. He's a hero in Israel. His brother, Ari, was actually murdered by the Palestinians back in 2018. And Hillel has carried on his brother's legacy and now is doing incredible work. And he's part of the reason why there are folks listening to me right now from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv to Haifa. We'll talk to Dove Hyken and Hillel Fold coming up next hour.
entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends. shutting off this show in New York City because they go, oh my God, this is hot tickler. I'm right, Jimmy Flippin', aren't I? Well, guess what? Ephraim. This happens to be the national anthem for Israel. It's a beautiful song. Play a little more, my friend, Dope Hiking, hot tickler. Very good. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, we went to shul in my neighborhood. We're going back tomorrow night for Shabbat dinner. The esteemed uh, Rabbi Rebecca Epstein, she's great. And we all sang Hatikva afterwards, and it was lovely. I'm going to shul twice. Well, tonight I'm going to a, an event that's going to be mostly Gayim. I'm the only Jew on the dais, I guarantee you. I don't think Stephen A. Smith or... Oh, I think Max Kellerman is Jewish. But uh, Evander Holyfield, Tony Danza, Phil Sims, I don't think so. But it's a great event, Teddy Atlas's annual dinner on Staten Island. But tomorrow night, I'll be back at Shul in my neighborhood. In fact, um, my buddies from uh, Cordette are going to be there. And then Saturday morning, I've been invited to go to Shul in uh, Cedarhurst, Five Towns. And who invited me? None other then uh, one of the great politicians in my lifetime, spent the better part of four decades as a tremendous assemblyman in Borough Park, Brooklyn. I mean, really a super, super guy. He has um, recently changed from a Democrat to a Republican, so he's smart. I love this man. He called us from Israel about a month and a half ago, had us all in tears. could hear the bombs exploding in the background. Not long after October 7th, he is my dear friend Dove Hyken. Dove, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Uh, good to be with you uh, and uh, can't wait to be with you and people in the community out here in the five towns, Woodmere. Uh, people are just so excited to see you, to be with you, to be able to say thank you for your leadership. Uh, you're not just there like, I'm for Israel. Yeah, okay, fine. That's good. That's good. But you have been a leader. You've been your heart and soul show every single day that you care deeply. It's your heart that's talking and people get it and people feel it. So can't wait to have you out here and uh, at our synagogue. But more than that, we have uh, what's called after the uh, prayers. We have, uh, uh, you know, our organization, Americans Against Anti-Semitism, you know, is sponsoring this kiddish. It's called the kiddish. It's a, uh, great food and and great company and great everything you know just to be with you uh and you're going to be speaking to the crowd 
We're, you know, people are just very excited to, to be with you. Uh, you know, I didn't realize what a big star you are, Sid, until recently. <laughs> you know, yeah. People well, love I, you. I, I got to tell you. I got to tell you. They love you. I didn't know either until recently myself. But on a serious note, I know that um, off the air, this conversation was a couple of days ago. Dove called me off the air, and he thanked me. Uh, on behalf of the Jewish community out there where he lives, the five towns. And he told me exactly what he said to you just now, you listeners out there, which is he can't believe how many people stop him every day. And I think the reason is simple. You know, it's the same reason why people come to me for my political analysis. I say this all the time. I'm not Sean Hannity. I'm not Marshall Limbaugh. I'm not uh, Bill O'Reilly, who's a, more of a common sense guy. But I'm not a professional politics guy. I was a sports guy for many years. But I'm your everyday man. The same guy that loves the Knicks, the Rangers, and bad television, he cares about politics today. It's the same way with my Judaism, Dove. I'm not at shul every Saturday morning. I don't keep kosher, right? I'm, I'm a guy that admits this. I'm not proud of it. But by night three of Passover, you've lost me. I'm done with the matzah. But there's a lot of guys and girls out there like me. And after these attacks on October the 7th, they have really held on to their religion, and they want to go further. And I think there's more of those people than people like you necessarily. So I believe that's part of the charm and the appeal. Do you believe that? Yeah. Well, Sid, you know, whatever it is, whatever you're describing, uh, you know, deep inside, uh, you feel there's something special that you feel. And you know what? You know, I have never in my life, nor my family, we we the, we are not here in this world to judge anyone. I don't know if you're a better Jew than I am or I'm a better Jew. It doesn't matter. What matters is the way we treat people and whether we are there for each other. And this is one of the most difficult times faced by the by the Jewish people. You know, I can talk to you about my mother going to Auschwitz in 1944 and my grandparents and the rest of her family going straight to the gas chambers the day, the day they arrived. But now the difference, we're living it. We're seeing it. There's a piece on CNN when I woke up. Every morning I wake up, whether it's 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, I go to the news. I want to see what's happening. I pray to God that they didn't murder any Jews in Israel or anywhere else in the world. And this morning CNN had a clip about, you know, these terrorists who came into Israel on October 7th and shot this uh, soldier in the face celebrating God is great and all that. And I I couldn't watch it. That's the point. I could not watch it. Uh, so – you know, this is a time that you and I and the rest of us, we're witnessing the kind of hatred that we've read about in the past. We've read about pogroms. We've read about rape and horrible things happen, happening to the Jewish people. Sid, you and I are living it right yeah. now. It yeah. happened a couple of weeks ago. I, I know when you were there, but I, I'll say this. It's easier for you and I because, as I said on October 9th when I came back on the air, we're taking this more personally. doesn't mean you other people. It's kind of like uh, 9-11. I'm sorry. I know people died in, at the Pentagon. People died in Pennsylvania. And the whole country cared that day. But we took it more personally here in New York. I'm sorry. 3,000 people died here that day. Same thing with October the 7th. If you're Jewish, you take it more personally. But I will tell you this, excluding these animals that walk across our bridges every day and cause all these riots, I am so happy and my heart is so warm. How many non-Jewish friends and people that I know in this business and just just people I bump into, you know, acquaintances that are with us 
that feel horrible for the Jewish people, that are angry, very angry over these pro-Palestinian rallies, and even the double talk coming from Joe Biden and the White House. Don't, there's a lot of non-Jews out there that love us. Don't look at these stupid parades, these stupid rallies. There's a lot of folks who love us. And I think we saw that a couple of days ago in D.C. That was not all Jews, all those 300,000 people. Those were great Americans and great humans who care about our people. I am totally with you, Sid. The polls indicate exactly what you're saying. The overwhelming majority of Americans, overwhelming, support Israel, and they get it. They get that this organization, this Nazi organization, they're ISIS. They need to be eradicated. They get it. And you're absolutely correct. Look, I was there. Uh, Shani and I were there. My grandchildren were in Washington, Jews and non-Jews. And, and, and Sid, what a, an amazing event. You know, there was no yelling and screaming. There was no hate. There was no hate at that rally. 290,000 people gathering in Washington, peaceful, not a single arrest of anybody, no hate signs against anybody. Really, it's quite extraordinary. You know what it was? Love of the Jewish people, love of Israel, and love of the United States of America. That's what it was all about. And that's what you know, you know, we the Jewish people. That's what it was. It was amazing. This whole rally, two hundred ninety thousand people, was organized with within five or six days, basically. So look, I, I look, my neighbors out here in the five towns. You know, I, people come over to me. You know, knowing that I'm so involved, and they see me here, there. You know, how you doing? Is your family okay? I get asked that question every single time I'm out there. I'm talking about non-Jews now, saying to me, is everything okay? Is there anything I can do to be helpful? I love the American people. This is the greatest country on the face of the earth. That doesn't mean that we don't have people who are very, very sick, who can't differentiate between what happened on October 7th, the butchery that went on, the, the cruel barbarism that went on, you know, the descriptions that I've given on your show, and I tell you, I tell you, Sid, I can't give you the full descriptions of what I know and what I was told and what's on video, because your your audience will, will be sick if they yeah. listened to yeah. more details of what so-called human beings, freedom fighters, they're freedom fighters, oh, enough with that. the women, enough break that. their legs, yeah, break their legs and rape them. Yeah, so they couldn't run away. I heard that. They broke their legs so they couldn't run away. Uh, they cut off hands so they couldn't fight back. Uh, so they were able to heads. rape them. I know. They cut off heads of babies. Uh, I know. They... I know. Listen, Dova. And, and these people are demonstrating in support of this this group. My God, how sick. But well, you, well, you, listen, but when you called in that day from Israel, you started to cry. I know you for a lot of years. You're a very tough guy. I've been to multiple rallies with you. And you'll be the first guy to get arrested. You are the Jewish equivalent of Curtis Lewa. And uh, you called me from Israel that morning. You started to cry. And I will tell you, you know, you watch CNN, and, and I have it on in the background here because we're a news station. They're no good. You know, they keep describing these Hamas uh, soldiers, I guess, as militants. They're terrorists. I mean, at least I don't call them freedom fighters. I'll give them credit for that, CNN. But can they just write terrorists? Just write terrorists. Enough with trying to... 
you know, to try to um, soften the blow from some of these people because you know CNN, one segment will put on a parent from a hostage, and the next segment they'll bring on some stupid lady talking about Islamophobia. You do know that. Yeah, of course I know that. I it's it's you know it's uh, it's pretty pretty darn sick to watch some of this uh, reporting that's coming out in some of the media. Uh, you know, the bottom line is, you know, the, all the stuff with the hospitals with the Israelis are moving into these hospitals. Is, is are are people sometimes stupid? Don't they understand why would Israel, Sid, move towards a hospital? To take over a hospital, why they, they they want to take care of the patients? I, I mean, what what is the point? Except the point is that these terrorists are using the freaking hospitals as bases. We see. By the way, stuff is coming out every day. Sid, there's a lot more coming out that shows clearly, clearly what our enemies are doing. But I got to tell you, some of these radical lefty sickos. They're not going to care. At the end of the day, some people do not want to be confused with the facts. Don't confuse me with facts. It gets in the way of their ideology. And that ideology we've seen for the first time, I've got to tell you, in my lifetime. You know, it used to be, you know, I love Jews. Some of my best friends are Jews. I'm just against the Zionists. Well, you know what just happened in the last couple of weeks? Those anti-Zionists have made it very clear it's about Jews, yes. for God's sake. That's it. You nailed it. Well, listen, we got to run, but I'm, I'm honored. I'm humbled. I mean this. That's the right word. I'm humbled that you reached out to me, that you put this together on Saturday. I can't wait to see you and your beautiful family and all the fine people of Cedarhurst and uh, the five towns. Um, I'm honored to be a part of this on Saturday. Thank you. And, and I just want to say it's about your leadership. There aren't too many leaders. There are a lot of people with titles, but you have been a leader. You have been proud, unapologetic, and when you speak, it's straight from the heart. You you don't have a script there. Let me make sure to say the right things. You know, let me be. You speak from the heart, and you are a leader, and we love you. I love you too. I can't wait to see you Saturday, though. This was a great appearance. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, my man, Dove hiking right there, and. I really am looking forward to uh, going to his shul on Saturday morning, and he has a nice kiddush planned for afterwards, and then lunch at the rabbi's house. Come on, Lewis. Save it. You know where your talis is? Have any idea? Of course. Okay. Well, go uh, go tell MJ to find it and get it ready and join us on Saturday morning. Okay, I'm sure she When was the last us, time uh, you uh, you were in shul? She'll be as clueless as I am about <laughs> it, but we'll find something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got to take a uh, short break. Uh, I'm really excited about our last guest today. His brother Ari became a hero. He was a hero back in 2018, but Hillel Fold, everybody I know that's Jewish, follows Hillel on social media. He's a social media genius in Israel right now. He's going to join us next. More of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Still to come. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Boy, a lot of talk about um, my doppelganger. (laughs) 
Then he'll get so mad. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. A lot of talk about him running for president. Back Fox News is doing the story right now. Noah Rothman, who works for, believe it or not, which Lowry at Not Review, talking about the, the real possibility that a late candidate may be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's not on our team, by the way. I sent you that uh, Instagram piece a couple days ago, too. This is days old, Justin, where Dwayne Johnson talked about how this country needs help and they need a guy like him, basically. So it's all serious. So keep your eye on that. We keep talking about Michelle Obama. What are they going to do? Michelle Obama, The Rock. Crazy things have happened, right? Reagan, Trump, who knew? Hillel Fold is dubbed Israel's top marketer. Works with startups across Israel, helping them realize their vision. Following in his brother Ari Fold's footsteps, Hillel also utilizes his large platform to advocate for Israel and is recognized as a leading advocate of the Jewish people. Hillel's brother Ari was murdered by a Palestinian terrorist in 2018, just minutes from his home. In a story which has since become legend, Ari used his last moments to neutralize the terrorist to ensure that nobody else got injured. So when my friend Judah Honickman said, would you like to talk to Hillel Fold? And my wife Danielle said, I follow him on Instagram every day. It was a no-brainer. So with that said, yes, the pebble, not the rock. Here he is, Hillel Fold. Hillel, good morning. How are you? Good afternoon from the Holy Land. Are you in Israel right now or New Jersey? Where are you? I'm in Israel. Okay. Okay, great. Are you from Tanafly or Teaneck, one of those places in New Jersey, or, or no? Are you, did you live there? What, what's I'm your, from Queens. You're from Queens. Okay. I'm from Queens. I, I grew up in Queens, moved to Israel uh, 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Okay. Um, well, look, Let's uh, before we start talking about your career and how important you are and how you're going to make sure, Hillel, Listen to me carefully. You're going to make sure that every Israeli downloads the 77 WABC app. It's free and listens to me every morning. I mean from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv to Haifa. I don't care. I do want to talk about uh, your brother. So I know it's painful, a horrible day dating back now almost six years ago. But tell us exactly what happened, where you were, how you heard about it, and what happened with your hero, truly hero brother Ari, Back in 2018. So it was about five years and three months ago, and uh, it was a Sunday morning. I was at a uh, startup office in Jerusalem uh, just doing my thing, and uh, I opened up a news website in Israel, and um, I saw that there was a terrorist attack uh, in a place called the uh, Gush Junction. It's 20 minutes outside of Jerusalem, and it's where Ari's family lives, and um, that there was a stabbing. And um, I, you know, just instinctively, this is what we're used to, unfortunately. I just sent a group uh, message in the, you know, the Fold family WhatsApp group asking that everyone's okay, uh, assuming, of course, that the answer was yes. And, you know, it didn't even cross my mind because, you know, it won't happen to me is kind of how everyone thinks. Uh, and my older brother, Donnie, called me and told me it's him. Um, I obviously, you know, panicked and, and rushed to the car and rushed to the hospital. And on the way, he called me again and said, don't rush. Um, you know, and so that that was, you know, as an American family that came here and, and you know, sacrificed the the uh, the comfort of the, the life in the United States. That's a sacrifice I don't think anyone imagined in our in our worst nightmares. Um, since that day, like you mentioned, Ari became a, a, a national hero of the state of Israel because in his last breath, literally, 
Uh, he shot the terrorist. He didn't kill him, but he did shoot him. And the terrorist was inches away from his next victim, who uh, has a falafel stand in that same place. And she had just given this terrorist a falafel, not knowing, obviously, who he mm. is. Uh, since then, she's become a, a member of our family because he literally saved her in his, his last breath. Um, but, you know, I, I, I have to say, and this is something that I think about quite often. If I told my grandmother in Auschwitz that her grandson would be a national hero of the state of Israel, I don't think she'd be able to digest that information. I don't think she'd know what to do with that information. So, you know, on the one hand, it's, it's a horrible tragedy. On the other hand, it's, it's great pride. You know, he really is. He, he lived a hero and he died a hero. No, there's no question about it. I mean, what he did was um, was heroic and amazing. And, yes, I mean, we all want to leave some type of legacy, Hillel, and your brother certainly did. It's interesting that um, in the story that I got, the the, um, the bad guy was not described as Hamas, was not described as uh, Hezbollah, described as a Palestinian terrorist. And, you know, while all these people are marching around the country worried about the lives of the quote-unquote innocent Palestinians, people forget that Hamas are Palestinians. They are. Are they not? Of course they are. They're, they're, it's, it's more than that. They were elected by the Palestinian people to, to rule Gaza. So, you know, let's be clear. Of course there are innocent Palestinians, and of course there were innocent Germans in World War II, but that, that is not a relevant discussion to be had. In war, innocents die, and Israel didn't want this war. So, you know, the fact that there are innocent people that are being used as human shields by Hamas in Gaza is by no way Israel's responsibility. We can do what we can to minimize civilian deaths, but we have to understand that Hamas does everything to maximize civilian deaths. And, you know, I think the world finally understands, you know, how, you know, the monstrosities, the atrocities that they committed, people understand what we're dealing with. And I, you know, about five minutes ago, I I posted uh, on my social networks a video uh, that the IDF uh, just, you know, just published where the IDF was in a, in a house in Gaza, and you saw a baby girl, you know, uh, room with a nice sign saying baby girl, and in the, in the room, under the bed, rockets and missiles and, and weapons in a baby girl's room. So I think the world understands what we're dealing with. Wow. I'm not even sure they do. I mean, it is so horrific, and there's so much new stuff coming out every day. It just, uh, it almost seems hard to believe. Now, where are you in terms of proximity, where you are right now in Israel, from where those that initial attack took place back in October? So I'm, I'm in a place called Beit Shemesh. Uh, you know, a lot of Americans move to Beit Shemesh. It's in between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. But I think it's important for your listeners to understand just how small Israel is. I mean, this is a country smaller than New Jersey. And, you know, it's, it's all, you know, within two, three hours of, you know, one end to not really one end to the end. But, you know, I'm, I'm really close. We're all really close. And so, uh, you know, people have to understand that when, when we hear about rockets you know, landing in open areas. This is pretty miraculous stuff. This is a country smaller than New Jersey, and somehow all these rockets are landing in open areas. It's pretty miraculous. Is that still going on? Because I, you know, I bring on Alex Trayman every day. You know, who, you know who he is. Hillel, early on, the first couple of weeks, J and S, and we would do interviews. Dove Hyken was just on moments ago, and he called me one day to do an interview. And I can actually hear. I can hear the explosions in the background. But I'm under the impression, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, that a lot of that has ceased. Is that not true? I mean, we're, you know, we're taking control over Gaza, so, you know, it's going to become more and more difficult for them to be firing rockets when, you know, we're, we're everywhere in Gaza. But, but it hasn't stopped by any means. We're still, 
you know, we're still we're still seeing rockets uh, being fired. I, I don't ask me where they're firing from. It's it's strange to me, you know, how we how the, the IDF is there and somehow they're managing to, to, to fire. But it's it's from underground and they built an entire city. They've taken billions and billions of dollars that could have gone to, to, to build Gaza and to become Singapore. Instead, they built an underground system, you know, with tunnels, with concrete, with electricity, with sewage, literally a whole city underground uh, just for their terror infrastructure. And it's it's tragic. You know, it really it's important to say, you know, it, it really is tragic for the people of Gaza. And, you know, that, that's an important thing to mention, but it's not a relevant discussion to be had in war. Right. In every war, innocent people die. You know how many innocent hundreds of thousands of innocent Germans died in World War Two. And no one no one. No. Nobody said the fact a word. That, that was a just, right. you know, right. justified war. Forget about Germany. We dropped two atomic bombs in Japan. No one talks about the amount of deaths in Japan. We had to end the war and save the Jews. We did what we had to do. That's the end of it. I don't want to hear about it. You know, you talk about the. The, uh, the underground guys are the billions it cost to build all that, basically a whole infrastructure to, you know, to make sure that uh, they can uh, do all their terrorist acts. And you realize that a lot of those billions came from where you used to live, where I'm living right now, the United States. And a lot of those billions came from two guys in particular, Barack Obama and his vice president, now President Joe Biden. So I'm always almost angered by Israelis who want to give Biden credit because Biden goes on TV and says, oh, we care about the Israelis and they're doing the right thing. When the truth is, if you really break it down in smart fashion, the United States helped fund this war. That's the bottom line. I think it's worse than that. They, you know, Iran is behind this war. Everyone, there's no denying that. Iran is the money and the brains behind this war, behind Hamas, behind all of it. And, you know, just a few months ago, America released $6 billion to, to, to Iran. So, you know, it, it, on the one hand, like, you know, it's, it's, it's an important thing, I feel, to have gratitude. And, and I don't think that should be taken for granted what America is, how America is standing by Israel. It's important, and we appreciate it. But you're right. It's, it, there's, you can't ignore America's role in, in funding Iran. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty crazy situation. I mean, you know, I look at the events of this war and, and just in general, the events of the Middle East and it's it's none of it makes any sense. It really just I mean, the, the U.N. appointing Iran as the head of the Human Rights Council just I mean, last week. Like, are you freaking kidding me right now? It's crazy. About three minutes to go. Hillel. So, so tell me, you've been dubbed Israel's top marketer. You uh, help build startups all across Israel and you've got this uh, huge social media platform. So if you can be more specific for my listening audience, for folks who want to get to know more about you and maybe thinking about moving to Israel one day when things kind of calm down and start a business. Well, first of all, I'd like to call my brothers and sisters to come now and not wait for things to calm down because I feel a lot safer here than I would over there. Unfortunately, uh, you know, here, at least we can defend ourselves. Um, I believe that. Yeah, I mean, in my career, you know, I I, uh, I always loved technology, and I started blogging many many years ago, and that led to entrepreneurs starting to reach out, reach out to me, and I would meet them. And long story short, I built this this career where I, I basically I'm a kid in a candy store. I get to meet the most remarkable, fascinating people every day, um, and I work with them on marketing and you know it's startups, it's, it's it's venture capital firms, it's it's a bank in New York that I work with. It's not just startups, um, but you know on October seventh that all changed because. Uh, I very much feel like I'm channeling Ari. I very, very much feel like this is my role right now, and everything I've done till now has brought me to this moment where it is my role to defend the state of Israel. And you know, on my platforms, I'm getting you know unbelievable, unbelievable traction, hundreds of millions of impressions, uh, and, and and thousands of messages from people saying I simply did not know that. And I'll, I'll just give you one example. 
I wrote a whole post about what Zionism is because Zionism has become this dirty word that people like to present as if, as if it's racism. And I explained what Zionism is factually, and I got hundreds of messages from people saying I had no idea. So I've kind of decided that my role right now during this war is, one, to inform people uh, you know, in an accurate and a, as close to real-time nature as possible and to hopefully try to spread some hope and optimism because you know, we're all in, in, in very deep – you know, despair and mourning and devastation. And I think we all need positivity. We all need hope. I think your brother Ari is really proud of you, man. I know I am. I'm thousands of miles away. I've never met you. Uh, I've only spoken to you once. It started about 10 minutes ago. But I'm proud of you. Ari's proud of you. Judah Honigman's proud of you. All Jewish people, all Israelis everywhere are proud of you. So you keep doing the work that you're doing. Please keep coming back here and just stay safe. Thank you so much, Alel. Thanks for having me. You got it, pal. Hello, Fold, right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends. Another great song, Chicago. Big concert this summer, Chicago. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Those are last two interviews, Dove Hikind and Hillel Fold. Both brought to you by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, pavilliontankless.com. And yes, folks, they do build the world's best boilers. Hey, um, Alec. Yeah. I love this song. Sing it, Justin. Sing it. Justin, jump in here. I'm not going to sing it. He doesn't know this. Uh, listen, we. Uh, I know that you... Um, you rebooked Bill O'Reilly for Monday because I'm going to be out a week from today. We'll all be out. It's Thanksgiving, of course, and a week from tomorrow. But don't forget, I'm out the next two Thursdays and Fridays. Okay. After tomorrow, I don't work another Thursday or Friday till December 7th and December 8th. So you may want to book Bill for not just one week, but for two weeks. Huh? Well, you're going to talk to him on Monday. Your job, you're the producer, not me. And you got to reach out to Andrew Giuliani and uh, Joe Tacopina and Judge Napolitano. Unless the people that are going to fill in for me, whoever they are, they can be on with those people. But yeah, well, I'm. Thinking, I don't care. Uh, thinking the judge could still come on. Yeah, the judge can come on with. I mean, who's going to be filling in? They're going to be fine. Everything. They'll be great. John or Curtis or but O'Reilly will Dom. Monday, and I'll, uh, I'll get in touch with uh, Makeda and. Uh, yeah. See, I, get the, I, I text Bill directly because right. you're not allowed to do that. You even have his cell phone number? I don't. You want it? No. Yes, you do. Admit it. You're one of those guys who goes to a bar on a Friday night and shows some unsuspecting young girl the phone and like, look who's in my phone. Oh, I, actually do, I actually do do that. Does. I know you do that. Yeah. I know. His job, he's so proud Oh, of my he God. Gets, that's why you got to text him during a date. So you, yeah. so whose numbers do you want me to give you so you can get laid this weekend? I don't know. I just, at this point, I just <laughs> I just put false names, fake names over like random numbers. You do. Like text, you put yeah. Trump in your phone with like yeah. five, 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 five. Right. And I'm like, look. I You're a genius. You are him, a genius. I'll text him right now. Don't anybody says, yeah. I got the smartest executive producer in the country. Dominic Carter's in my phone. 
If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabulaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabu Law, where winning is no accident.